Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, we got to make the transition here from basketball to football. The countdown is on to college football, less than six weeks to the opening of camp. We're going to celebrate with a little bit of BYU Media Day. For those of you who missed him, Kevin Clune, BYU linebackers coach, former Aggie assistant, uh, now in Provo, coaching the linebackers. Here's Kevin Clune with PK now, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So we were uh, talking earlier with Eliza Tuiaki, and he said the linebackers definitely look like a strength. There was some real confidence in that when he said it. You feeling that confidence? Yeah, you know, there's a lot to live up to with these guys, but uh, I got a great crew of guys. I got a great room of, of hardworking kids. Um, and I expect them, I expect the world from them this year, and they expect them to lead the defense. I expect them to make plays um, and, and run things. And so, uh, yeah, that's a lot to live up to. We lost, you know, a couple guys from last year, but – Really, most of the room's back, and, um, you know, again, this team, you know, we're going to have a big rough schedule and all that stuff, but uh, this team should be ready for it. You're a veteran coach. You're a veteran coach in the state of Utah. You're a veteran coach in college football. You've been around for a long time. As you evaluate this program as a newcomer into the program, what would you say is the talent level overall, not specifically defense linebacker, but I'm talking about the program? Well, you, you, you can – you know, if you show up early enough, uh, you can see our guys working out, and this is a big, good-looking team. And so, um, you know, and then you 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 kind of couple that with the the that what I've noticed about these kids in the last you know ten months that I've been around um, is that they got hearts, man. They got they got they are they got strong discipline and hearts, and they work hard. And so, um, you know, I think that on the on the front lines, I think in the front seven, you know, nobody's going to be able to push us around no matter who we play. Um, and, you know, it's just it's got all got to come together again. It's, this is a new, brand-new team. Last year's team did a great job, but this is the 2021 version. So that that it's a reset. You have to start it all back from zero and, you know, work through all those steps. But i got full confidence in these guys. And when you talk about the front seven and nobody can push you around, and that is, of course, obviously exactly what Cougar fans want to hear. But there have been problems in some position groups in the past years where the front-line guys had it, but when there was an injury or two, the depth wasn't quite wasn't quite up to snuff. Do you have the depth in the front seven when inevitably guys get hurt? Yeah, I think we do, especially at linebacker. We do, um, and that'll be that's always an interesting thing as you talk about injuries. How does a team, uh, you know, reload after an injury? Or you know, we got a, a, again a good schedule where there's going to be some bruises and some banging and some things like that. So. How do you come back after, you know, on a Monday, okay, we've got to reset the alignment, the, uh, the, the depth chart because this guy's going to be out and we move this guy over here and this guy's got to play over there. Um, you know, especially at linebacker. i got guys like Peyton Wilgar who I can put in any position at any time. I could walk in at halftime and say, hey, you've got to play this position. He'll do a great job. Um, smart players like Keenan Peely that uh, can, can do whatever he needs to do, you know, whatever we ask him to do. And then you got – other guys, you got Ben Bywater and Max Tooley, who are athletic and strong, and they can fit a lot of different roles. Um, you know, you got uh, you know Chaz Ayu that that can play different places. You know, and so I feel that that depth on defense is going to be there. Um, maybe you're not seeing a bunch of stars, but you do have a lot of guys that maybe you never heard of. They're going to play some quality minutes. They're going to do some good stuff. Coaching is built on a lot of relationships. Can you explain the relationship that you had with Kalani that led you to end up being here? Well, we first met back in '03, I think, and um, worked together at Southern Utah. And it's it's a great situation when you can work somewhere at Southern Utah, and, and that maybe you can make some mistakes that go unnoticed, you yeah. know, down there, that kind of thing. But uh, 
we we battled down there. We you know you know we felt like we built that program. We came in with a it was a one win team, and you know we left after two years with six wins. You know and, and kind of was right on the edge and had some really good young players. We battled and recruited and figured things out and made mistakes together. Um, and just over those you know last eighteen years or so, just staying in touch and talking defense and just you know and and. This and as well as the rest of the staff that I'm close with, these are great quality men that uh, that that Kalani's assembled, and so you know these this is my family. These are my guys, my football guys that I go to and and love talking with, and you know I spend Christmas with uh, you know with A Rod's family or whatever it is. You know that it's it's um, it's a unique situation. So the Thunderbird Mafia, that's the key, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> go with that. I wouldn't go that far, but sure, yeah. Okay. So one thing uh, that came out of that program, I think, is they had some success over time, was the ability not just to identify the guys who are the best, but identify the guys who can be down the line. And so do you kind of see that pipeline at BYU, guys who've made that progression are now really good, guys who are in the middle of making that progression and still have upside that hasn't been reached yet? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. We still have, you know, walk-ons that that you may not know about yet that are going to do, you know, great things on either special teams or defense or things like that. But it goes back to a lot of recruiting in that, you know, you recruit athletes and good players, and then you figure out what positions to put them in. And this kid may not have been the best linebacker around, but he's a safety who likes to bang, and so he's going to grow after a mission. And he comes back, he's 22 years old or whatever it is, and, and he's, you know, 30 pounds heavier and now he's a linebacker and so that athleticism can translate into different positions um and so that's one thing i think we do a lot of here is that you're you're projecting just athleticism and then we'll figure out where the positions happen later yeah that's sort of the ed lamb philosophy isn't it yeah yeah sure so correct me if i'm wrong but the opening came because on the staff came because two offensive coaches left yeah and that's Grimes in the old line and Grimes took a kit. The guy went down to his name's escaping me right now, but he went down to uh, Baylor. And so they chose to replace the body with a defensive guy. Uh, how does that all work? Well, they were six on offense, four on defense before. Um, and now it's five and five. I think it just, again, it may not have been we need exactly this position or that position. It just kind of like this is a good you know, situation. I'm loved that we got Coach Funk, who's got experience all over the place. Um, I don't know who's worked at more places, me or him, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll look to count that up one day. But no, I think it's a it'll be a good situation, and, and uh, you know, offensively they should be able to handle with five. We can handle the five on defense. So, what is your recruiting territory? How is that working out? So, I got like the Bay Area, like the Peninsula, kind of the West Side, up from up to. Uh, you know, Sonoma and up the coast and then down to Monterey County where I grew up. And then um, kind of secondarily, I got some, uh, I got an area up in, in the Pacific Northwest with Oregon and Washington. And, you know, we have a couple of kids that have come out of that, that area. So I think that uh, that could be a fruitful situation. You talk about having some depth and maybe some guys we don't know. You look at the linebacker spot, and when we think of BYU going back, we think of pass-happy offenses and all that stuff. But off the top of my head, I can recite five, six guys here in recent years at the linebacker spot who've not only gone to the NFL but played extremely well at the NFL. So the standards are very, very high 
there at the NFL. Do you believe in the time that you've had to evaluate these players since you've been with the program that you've got NFL guys there? Yeah, for sure. And uh, definitely, you know, they're going to put the product on the field and you're going to see that, but they also have the combine numbers or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to see, um, you know, we have a very young crew. I don't know if we have anybody that's listed as a junior or senior right now, but, you know, after four or five years here, the, some of the guys I'm sure will, will move on and try their shot in the NFL. But, um, yeah, I do believe that these guys will have a shot, and, and it's, just, it's just getting that shot. You don't know when you go to a team what the situation may be as far as the depth chart or as far as, um, you know, the scheme that may or may not fit exactly what you're, you're doing the best, all those different things. But you just got to get that shot and find a way in and find a way to make, a, make an impact, however it may be. Maybe it's on special teams. Maybe it's moving positions. You know, who knows? Um, you know, I, I coached Bobby Wagner, and he obviously was a great, great player. Did not know he was going to be that spectacular out Hall of, of the Hall of Fame, gate. probably. Yeah, Hall of Fame player. <laughs> and, and I knew he was a great kid, and I knew he was going to do well. But the fact that they had a spot open and they were willing to give that to a rookie, you know, to run the defense, to be the guy that calls the plays, to be in the middle and do that, you know, is, it was a tremendous opportunity. He made the most of it. And so it's about – you know, just getting their foot in the door and then finding a way to make that impact because you don't know what the situation may be. You know, going to a, a team that's got to pay a quarterback can open up a guy, a role for a guy who's young and gets paid less at another position yeah. because of the salary cap. There's so many yeah. things that go All those it. economics are things we don't yeah. have to deal with. And so, um, you know, it's a who knows what the name image likeness stuff coming up. You know, that, that, may, <laughs> that may all change. But uh, it's, yeah, crazy times. But, yeah, it's, it's the NFL's whole different – way of thinking and a better player might get let go just because of those those dollars you know because of those numbers when you look at that linebacker spot as you go out and recruit and i know they're not necessarily specifically recruiting linebackers but the idea of the ascension into the pro ranks from byu how attractive is that in terms of being helpful to recruit other linebackers because they know scheme or whatever Hey, if I'm a star at BYU as a linebacker, that probably means I'm an NFL guy. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of where this program is going. And, you know, our schedule has, what, seven P5s next year. Okay, so that's a, definitely a P5 schedule. You're going to be able to test your stu- yourself against, you know, some of the great teams. And so there's going to be no question. You're either going to be able to do it, you can't do it. Um, and, yeah, we, when we get kids in here, you know, they all want to go to the NFL, and they're going to get that shot, and they're definitely going to be able to, to put it on film. Um, nothing's going to be able to hold them back here. But, uh, you know, there's also other reasons why they come to this school. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a unique situation that I'm, I'm just seeing the tip of the iceberg about. So what do you, if anything, do you know about Arizona? What can you tell us about the Open and what you're going to be facing there? Well, it's a whole new situation. You've got a whole bunch of new coaches, yeah. and you've got a whole bunch of new portal guys coming in. You've got a whole bunch of, you know, question marks. And so – you know, I'm going back to watching UCLA film from 2017 when, when Josh Rosen was still at, at UCLA, you know, and I'm trying to figure out schemes and stuff like that that the coach might like, you know. And, and uh, you know, then we watch some Seattle Seahawks run game because Brendan Carroll's, you know, he's all that stuff. So it's just kind of a mishmash of, of all that as we're getting prepared, and we don't know exactly what the personnel will be because of those all those transfers and, you know, who's going to be the quarterback. And there's so many questions, but – you know, our kids will be ready. They'll be ready to play. Um, apparently, I hear, 
you know, the BYU fans just spent a whole bunch of money and got 47,000 tickets for that game. Is that you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, we've been down there for years. <laughs> you know, BYU basically <laughs> saved from extinction the Vegas Bowl yeah. when Bronco finally got it going. And, and they, they ref, uh, refer to Vegas as BYU's home away yeah. from home. Yeah, so, that was in Hawaii. Yeah. They called it the Ninth Island. But, uh, but yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, but no it's, it's great to see. I mean, so when you see all that support, you know, there's not. Our guys are going to be ready to go. Our sure. guys are going to be jacked up, and our guys are going to do their best for the fans. NFL because la- stadium. Yeah, last year, we had empty stadium. You know, that was that was a shame that those kids know, didn't totally. get to, to yeah. showcase what they can do totally. in front of yeah. people. So, um, yeah, this it, it'll be a fun game, and let's go. Can't wait. Well, coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks yeah. for stopping by and chatting with us. Yeah, excellent. Anytime. There's Kevin Clune with PK and I, the linebackers coach at BYU. When we come back. Gennaro Guilford, ah, a really good defensive back. Now coaching up the next generation of DBs. Gennaro Guilford, next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The countdown to football is on. Less than six weeks to camp. PK and I were at BYU Media Day. We talked with Gennaro Guilford, former BYU cornerback, now coaching up the corners, working with the guys in the secondary. Here's Gennaro Guilford with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You sat down and immediately PK launched into South Bay talk with you. Yeah. <laughs> we go back. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm the curious because, because you um, – You've been at BYU a long time because you were here as a player, uh-huh. right? And now you're back here coaching for a while. But you've got the ties out of state. So as you travel back and forth and you do the recruiting thing and keep in touch with friends, family, teammates, all that kind of stuff, how much impact does a season like last season have on the perception of BYU? And how much are reputations kind of in place and no one 3-9 and nine season or 11-1 and one season really moves the needle because – You've, you've got a rep, and you've kind of got a brand, and, and it is what it is in college yeah. football. Um, tremendous impact, um, especially um, last year being that, you know, everybody didn't play, and we were on TV pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys got to see the, the style of football that we play. Um, and then on top of that, after the season, having 12 guys sign NFL contracts is very, very big. Um, you know, so um, guys, guys got a chance to, to see the – different um the different people that we have on our team from uh, guys from guys being from everywhere um and then they got a chance to to see that um if they do come to BYU you can uh make it to the NFL from here as well as you know all the the SCs and everybody else so um they see that we do have guys that can play um different positions um they see that we play 30 guys on defense every game. So um, it was just a plus, and we start getting hit up by a lot of guys who um, are interested now. One of the things that may be difficult to go through in the moment is it seemed like in the secondary you guys had a lot of injuries. 
over the last few years, which in turn actually allowed you to play more guys, maybe some guys that were before they were actually ready to play, but nevertheless you had to get them out on the field because it was a body issue. How much is that benefiting? Because you took a big hit in the, number, in the amount of guys, two guys right off the bat that I know, uh, well, three guys come to mind that you left that signed NFL contracts out of the secondary, so that, that's a pretty nasty hit. But you do have some guys who have experience ready to go. Yeah, it was kind of a blessing in disguise a little bit because those guys got got a chance to get viable reps, you yeah. know. Um, so we bring back um, probably seven or eight guys who have all started games for us. Um, so, um, and those guys would have probably played a total of twenty plays had yeah, yeah. had that not uh, happened. So um, makes makes um, us feel a little a little better as as coaches um, as we have guys with that that amount of experience now um, that are competing for starting jobs so when i talk about brands and reputations and all that that all these nfl guys in the byu secondary has not been the story for a long long time how does that story get changed uh you know we just um continue to do everything that um kalani and coach coach lamb and, and toyaki they have a, a a big picture um recruiting certain guys um you know um developing them um doing 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 everything that that we've been been doing, hitting the weight room hard, six days a week, running, um, you know, um, using the football IQ. Kalani's big on that of, of us, you know, putting them in certain situations all the time and having them get 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 smarter and smarter. So, so when the time comes, um, and 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 they're they're able to make plays, it's like second nature now. A lot of the kids that are playing. A cornerback for you as your position coach. Uh, a lot of them, most most of them, I think, are from the West. Uh, so these guys grow up around Pac-12, and you guys are playing a number of Pac-12 teams. How important is that for them when you go out and recruit? Say we're going to play SC, we're going to play the Arizonas. Obviously, you got the Utah thing going on, uh-huh. and, uh, Stanford down the line, and so forth. Uh, very important, um, especially because they have a lot of friends, yeah. um, you know, that that play at those schools. The guys, guys that they've been. Um, playing against for the last four years, who they think they, that they can compete with, and they might be um, overlooked. You know, those guys are going to big schools, so now they have a chance to play them. They have a chance to to come home, and that's that's something that we um, look at as well. You know, guys being from Vegas, being from Arizona, being from California, and we're always going to those states to play um, pretty much every year. Um, it's a it's a great chance for their family to 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 come out and see them. Um, you know, two or, or three times a year, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So. Um, so, so for us, that's that's a huge deal, and that's something that we definitely um, look into. I think for old-time BYU fans, they think of the link that uh, BYU had with Ricks or with Snow, Dixie when it was at JC. But the link on this coaching staff with Southern Utah is really pronounced now. And you weren't there the same time that Kevin Kloon was there or, or Kalani was mm. there. But how much is the familiarity and that kind of process of being a coach? Coach Kloon was talking about you can go to Southern Utah, learn, make mistakes, not be on the big stage, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, let absolutely. them kind of slide a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was that really important to your career arc? It was. It was for me, um, and especially for me starting at a Division three school, you know. So I got a chance to kind of really, really sit back and learn um, being at a, at a Division three school in, in California, um, Whittier College, um, being there, and then going to Southern Utah, um, you know, kind of being um, looked at as one of um, the, 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 the bottom tier, per se. Um, so being there with Coach Lamb and, and him turning things around um, and, and being – the, the top school in the the big sky um, from 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 year one to year two 
um, it just kind of taught us a lot, um, and I, I was able to, to, to be around great coaches. Now, I know you can't talk about kids that aren't in the program, so I'm going to ask you generally. You're going to know what I'm talking about, but I know you can't <laughs> mention names. You know, you had in some camps, you got a, a, a hot shot uh, defensive back out of Florida to at least come out and take a look at the program. Um, is that something that is new to the program in terms of your spreading uh, maybe the message a little wider, and, and can we anticipate that actually coming to pass? We're going to get kids that are actually beyond the West. Uh, you know what? And it has it has um, it's it's bigger than just um, our players and, and, and coaching staff. It's, it's it's you guys. It's the fans. Um, it's it's their it's their family members, people who actually come out to Pro and actually see see it for 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 what it is, and, and don't just um, go by the. Word of mouth or whatever the case may be, you know, but for guys to actually come out, you know, um, so the more people that come out and see it, the more the this economy continues to boom. People are going to people are going to come and see that this is actually a great place to live, great place to raise a family. Um, As as a parent now, I can I can totally understand why you would love for your son or daughter to come here because, you know, they're in a safe environment. They'll they'll be around uh, great people. So um, the more the more people actually come out and, and see Provo the more we'll actually get guys to come in. And how much at this point is it really uh, – is the emphasis really shifting to your players doing the recruiting? So when a player comes out, a chance they have to interact, whether it's with a small group or a big group, depending on the time of year they're here, how critical is your players selling the program at this point? Now that now that Kalani's been here and yeah. had a run. Um, for us, that's, that's, that's been since day one. Um, Kalani always always tells tells players, look, it's it's a it's it's a players team, and you guys um, should actually sit down with our players away from us coaches um, because players aren't going to lie. Players aren't going to lie, especially if coaches aren't there. They're they're going to tell the the honest truth, um, whether we like it or not. But that's just the rea- reality of it, you know. So um, we tell we tell all 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 um, recruits. Whether they come here, go to SE or whatever the case may be, go around the players, get around the players, ask them the questions, and they'll be 100% honest with you. So we are, we've been around long enough that we remember you as a player and you were a kid. Now you're an old guy and you're coaching <laughs> these kids who look at you as an old guy. Yeah. You ever tempted to slide in the uh, film and maybe show them a certain interception along the sidelines that you made in a big game? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I've I've never I've never showed my guys um, my film. Um, they've seen it, but not for me. <laughs> you know, they are like, oh, okay, coach, I, you can you can play a little bit when you was here. I'm like, you know, I was I was all right. You know, I can, I can hold my own. And they're like, no, I seen I seen some highlights, but no, nah, I've 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 never just been one to to pop on. Just you remember just that interception I'm talking about? What, what, what was that against? <laughs> what was that? What was that? What year was that? <laughs> there was a there was a long winning streak hanging in the balance at that point, yeah. and it looked like it was about to go away. It no, did. It did. Sideline pass, if I remember, along the if BYU sideline. If sidelines. I remember, BYU had had a very unlikely comeback to score two late touchdowns <laughs> and take the lead, and then Utah was on a very unlikely drive. Hey, I didn't mention names. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> Fourth and ten, they threw it on offensive linemen and converted it. So I don't want to say the oh, defense yeah. was reeling, but the defense needed a player to step up and make a play because the defense was reeling. Oh yeah, you were. The de- yeah. I honestly, I could not believe that they were driving at that point, but it was getting to the point I'm like. They're going to crack if someone doesn't make a big play. 
this is going to be an unbelievable ending. And then you make the interception, and the video your players all see, and people can go find it on YouTube, I'm yeah. sure. The cameras are shaking. The stadium is bouncing. <laughs> yeah, there was yes. a little bit of tension released in that stadium in that moment. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Now, are you like, when we start bringing this up, are you like transported back? Can you, can oh, you yeah, feel I, the guys can, on the sideline? And Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Justin Inna, our middle backer, who's now the D coordinator at, uh, well, what is it, Utah? Dixie. But uh, did oh, it just change whatever yeah, you, Dixie or whatever so they just changed. What are they calling now? I know uh, they just changed it. It's going to be uh, Polytechnic. Polytechnic yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know if it was going to be Dixie, but Utah Polytech. Polytechnic State University. Okay. okay. UPSU. With UPSU. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I just That'll remember. take some getting used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, in my head, I'm still I'm still saying Dixie, but I'm right, like, right, well, right. I think they changed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, after that fourth and 10 to the. The offensive tackle, tackle eligible. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh wow. They're, now they're just reaching, like, man. And Anna's like, look, man, we have to, we have to make a play. Somebody has to make a play, and you know, he's so intense, and he's still that way, to, like, to this day. Um, but I just remember him bringing us together, like, looking at everybody and being so intense, like, somebody's gonna make a play. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I remember that game and the, getting in the elevator, and, and and from the press row, then we stop on the next floor which is the uh, High Roller Boosters, mm-hmm. and a bunch of youth fans get on, and they're just as giddy as can be, right? Yeah. Because they think they got that. So we go the next, uh, whatever it is, the four or five stories down, and they're celebrating wildly because they think, and I thought too, I thought, yeah. well, they, they got this game, right? Yeah. So I can see why they're being happy. But you talk about making a play, and, and you made that play, and that won the game, and everybody went nuts and all that stuff. And you had a guy, uh, he got a couple brothers on the team, a few years back, Nakua, uh, who's in the NFL, has had an opportunity to make a bunch of plays. He made plays. It seemed like every time you needed a pick, he came up with it. Literally, right in the very last game, in the bowl game, he gets a pick. Uh, how good do you feel about your guys back there being able to make a play when there needs to be a play made? You know what? They have to um, prove that they can do it. They've they've done it a few times as far as practice, practice and stuff goes like that, but we all know um, game time is, is going to be a little different. So, um, those guys are, are, are willing to, to, to prove it, um, and I just I just can't wait for them to, to go out and make plays. But um, we do think that we have a few guys who can who can go out there and make those plays. Guys who have the football IQ, who have the ball skills, um, guys that are willing willing to, to take to take chances. Because we all know as a defensive back, I mean, sometimes you have to take chances. Um, you might give up a few, a few plays taking chances, but but at the end of the day, um, if you if you watch film and have have the the football IQ, um, those plays just happen for you at times. Gennaro Guilford, assistant coach here at BYU. It's BYU Football Media Day. Gennaro, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, there's Gennaro Guilford and Kevin Kloon working with the linebackers and the corners at BYU. When we come back, we're going to switch to basketball, and Andy Bailey will join us to look back at the Jazz and what's gone wrong and what they need to fix going forward. Not so much what's gone wrong. Well, you got to look at what's gone wrong. But really, where is it going forward? What are the roster moves? Where do guys need to improve? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK, we're joined now by Andy Bailey, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Andy, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Andy, I think we're going to start off with a question that is on everybody's mind. I'm just going to ask it on behalf of the people. What the bleep just happened, Andy? <laughs> Come on! Man, I it, it was a total meltdown. I think that's what happened. Um, when when the news broke that Kawhi Leonard sprained his knee and was you know out indefinitely, that was sort of the door opening for the Jazz. Obviously, I mean, I I think at that point they were clearly the better team, um, and. <laughs> I, I still think they have a better roster than a Kawhi-less Los Angeles Clippers. Um, they just got hit with that small ball lineup and, and never made any kind of an adjustment. And I think that's the big takeaway. There's, there's a lot of people today and, you know, the last few days in the national media and elsewhere kind of wringing their hands about Rudy Gobert and how you can't pay him and play him in the playoffs. You can't possibly pay him that contract that he's, he's got. Um, and it just won't work. But, I think the bigger takeaway is you just have to be able to adjust. Um, there are 24, 25 teams in the NBA that Rudy Gobert just dominates, and you, you need to have him out there against those teams. But the teams that can go small in the playoffs, we've seen year after year, can go far in the playoffs, and, and Utah has to have some kind of counter for that. Even if it's just for a few minutes here and there, um, you have to be able to stem that tide. When Terrence Mann is hitting <laughs> – three after three in the corner and, and yelling at the the opposing players. I think at one point he was yelling at Gobert. Um, you've you've got to have some other counter. Um, try anything else at some point. I, I think it's a meltdown in a bunch of different ways because, like I said, if you if, if I look at those two rosters even today, I think that the, that the Jazz, and they weren't healthy either, frankly, um, but I still think that's a better roster than the Clippers without Kawhi. Totally agree with you on the Jazz health. There's nothing that can really be done about that. I don't think there's enough being talked about about Paul George mm-hmm. just running over Donovan Mitchell away from the ball in garbage time at the yep. end of Game 2. But as much as it would be fun to sit around and complain about that, and that's worth complaining about, and I don't think there's been enough said about that, you know, c- coaches tell players, control what you can control. So now I think the message for the players, the coaches, and the front office is, well, control what you can t- control. You can't control Paul George running Donovan over. You can't control that Donovan and, and Mike Conley had the injuries in the regular season that sidelined him the last month of the regular season. What can you control? Well, from a player perspective, the f- first thing I would go, as long as we're on the small ball thing, before we get to the front office perspective, Rudy you got to punish small ball lineups. Yeah. You've got to punish them. There have to be more dunks. There have to be coaches who say, I know we want to go small ball, but if we put this 6'8 guy out there who shoots threes, okay, a, a Morris type player, we're in trouble. Like, we're giving up to every possession at the other end. Between Donovan Mitchell getting layups, and I realized Donovan couldn't really drive because he was hurt, right? Between Donovan Mitchell layups and Rudy Gobert dunks, like, they're going to score two points every time down the floor. So I feel like that's the first thing that's got to happen is Rudy's got to punish small ball lineups. I think that's true. Um, and I don't, I don't want to sound like the biggest Gobert apologist in the media right now, and maybe, maybe that's my title. I'll own it if it is. Um, 
he he needs to punish smaller lineups, but he's he's never been a post up guy, and I don't think he needs to be. Um, a, a big part of Gobert punishing smaller lineups falls on the guards and the wings on that team. And, and I, you know, I don't think it was as bad as it was a couple of years ago when, when there were clips of Gobert going around the internet, jumping up and down the lane and screaming at his teammates for not getting him the ball. But there were still times in that series where he's rolling to the rim and the only guy between him and the basket is somebody like Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris or Nick Batum. Um, and that, that ball's got to be there. Um, and, and I, you know, a lot of people have countered me online saying, well, he can't catch the ball. Um, he can't, you know, make a move if he does get it. So get it to him high. Throw him a lob. Um, uh, you're totally, I, I believe this 100%, don't throw the ball to Rudy. Throw the ball towards the rim and let him yeah. go get it. And when he's Absolutely. going to the rim to get it, I think then the numbers are off the charts in his he's favor. He's one of the best. Right. One of the best lob finishers in the league. And frankly, he, he hasn't played with a great lob passer um, maybe his whole career. I mean, even when Ricky Rubio was there, there were all those stories about how he just wasn't used to throwing lobs. Um, and Conley was coming from playing with Gasol for 10 or 15 years or whatever it was. He's certainly not a lob finisher. Um, you know, Mitchell obviously has time to develop that part of his game. But when I watch, you know, these, these guys are kind of anomalies, so you can't expect to have someone like this necessarily. But you, you watch a lob passer like Trey Young or James Harden, and you think, man, what would Rudy Gobert do with somebody like that setting him up? Um, you know, I, I think with a really good lob passer, he's probably close to 20 points a game. Um, and certainly if teams go small, he's going to destroy them. And, and I, I love the way that you express that. It's, it's just throw the ball to the rim. And let him go get it because his length is is pretty much unparalleled. He's pretty explosive for a guy of his size. Um, so I think, you know, certainly it's on him to a degree, but it's also on those teammates to get him the ball where he can be successful. And I think simple pick and rolls with lobs, I, I think, would have torn those smaller lineups apart. The Utah Jazz in the regular season were twenty-one and fifteen on the road. In the playoffs, they went. They, they were good in Memphis. They went 2-0 in Memphis, but they went 0-3 in L.A. Not only did they go 0-3, just like the toughness, the grit, the resilience, I thought it was lacking in all three of the losses. There were just times they had that look in their eye like, we're not going to get it done, we know we're not going to get it done, and we don't really know what we should change now, but we just know this isn't working. What are they going to do? And 21-15 and 15 is not a horrible road record. It's not the best road record in the league, but it's not far off it. So it's not yeah, like they I mean, were terrible. The Suns were the best team on the road. And then the Nuggets, and then I think the Jazz are tied for third with the Clippers. So they're not terrible in the regular season, but in the playoffs, yeah, did that bug you, the look in their eye in the three road games? Yeah, I mean, you're right. 21-15 and 15 is a solid road record, and there was... I think there is something to what you're saying. There's every year in the postseason or when the postseason starts, um, there's always this little bit of me, and it's been this way for the last few years because last year it was the Bucks, this year it was the Jazz. There are these teams that just have ridiculous regular season numbers, historic regular season numbers. Frankly, I think it was the Bucks maybe two years ago had one of the best um, simple rating system, which combines point differential and strength of schedule. I think they had like top ten in the league. Um, and so I look at that as a numbers guy and think, well, of course they should win the title. Um, but then there's this little piece of me that just 
it's it's sort of intangible. Um, you know, numbers can't really measure it. I always trust guys who've done it before. Um, <laughs> as I say this, I realize it doesn't really apply to that Clippers team after Kawhi went down. Um, but it's just there's there's like a safety in predicting that Kawhi Leonard will prevail or a safety in predicting that LeBron will prevail. Um, and I think for teams that haven't gone all the way, there is a possibility that you get in those moments where, you know, you're on the road, like you said, and a run starts and you kind of tighten up. Um, you, you, you know, go away from the things that made you so good in the regular season. Maybe your shots come up a little bit short. Um, maybe, maybe you try to do a hero ball thing instead of throwing it up to the rim for Rudy. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying that specifically about any one player. I think there's just a combination of things that can happen for a team, um, that hasn't done it before. And it's kind of weird to say that about the jazz because they are playoff tested. I mean, they've gone to the postseason every year for a while now, um, but they haven't gotten too deep into the playoffs. And so those moments may still kind of um, back them down, I guess, for lack of a better term. I, I think you're onto something there. Andy Bailey joining us here to talk uh, playoffs, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. So off season, I think there's three different things the jazz front office can do with the roster. Uh, that that everybody's on to, and I don't, also don't think there's a chance they'll go three for three. If they do, I'll be really impressed, and Dennis Lindsay will be up there for executive of the year again. But they need more size on the guard line. They need uh, yep. the longer athletic wing defender, somebody to pair with Royce O'Neal, who even Dennis in his exit interviews alluded to. There are situations where he's a great defender and other situations that are a little bit more of a challenge for him. Uh, isolated at the top of the key is a little bit more of a challenge for him. Put him on the side where the sideline helps him a little bit and you accentuate his strength, he's a better defender. Put him in the middle floor with quickness, that that might be an issue and someone might be able to blow by him down the lane. We saw that in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. So long, a long wing defender to pair with Royce, uh, a big guard to mix in that rotation when you need to match up, and then a small ball five option because they didn't really have a small ball lineup. Some people want to play Ilya Silva. I think they'd seen enough out of him defensively to think that that was not going to work. So those three things, are you on with, uh, are there any of those you don't agree with? Would you prioritize one over another? I I think you're right on um, with all of those. And like you said, it would be very difficult to go three of three. It might even be hard to go two of three. Um, but if you get if you get one, it's better than the situation that you're in right now. I think the first one that you identified is one that's not talked about enough. Um, the size of their starting backcourt is just really small. Uh, this season, when they finally made players list their heights without their shoes, I think Conley and Mitchell both came in at six one, um, and and Mitchell can mitigate that a little bit with his wingspan. Um, but there are just a lot of backcourts that are going to be able to look right over the top of you. If you, if you have two starting guards who are six, one, um, and I, you know, you, somebody may correct me on this, um, listening, but I think Royce O'Neal was even listed at six, four after they, you know, changed the way that they list heights. So he's not big either. He looks bigger on the floor to me. Um, but he's not six, eight, Nicholas Batum. He's not six, eight, six, nine, Marcus Morris. Um, so if you come up against a team like the Clippers and, and another thing I think that should be noted is the Clippers were probably the worst possible matchup for the Jazz. I mean, this this was the team that could expose all of this, and there may not have been another team left in the playoffs that could. 
to this degree. And Phoenix has some wings that are kind of similar, so maybe the same thing would have happened against Phoenix. But I think the Clippers are the worst possible matchup in terms of all this stuff. Um, when you come up against a team with a bunch of guys in that 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, range who can all shoot a little bit, who can all dribble a little bit, um, it's just it's going to be a huge problem. Um, and, and I think whether it's a wing defender, a bigger guard, or a small ball five – Anyone who can contain on the perimeter a little bit better would have helped because there was there were stretches in the second half of that last game where it was just blow by after blow yep. by, and then all of a sudden Rudy Gobert is in this terrible you know what do I do? <laughs> do I protect the rim or do I go get Terrence Mann? And I think he he made the calculation, and it's probably a fair one to to protect the rim. And so over and over and over he's late getting out to Mann, and those are the highlights that get shared on the internet is him you know being a second or two late to Mann. Um, but if you're in that situation, what else are you going to do? I mean, you, you can give up a layup or give us, give up a three and obviously the three's worth more points, but nobody wants to give up layups. Um, so he was in a terrible bind. So <clears throat> this is a long winded answer, but I agree that those are three things that they need. If they can even get one of them, it helps. Um, you know, I, I'm not a guy who's a big G league aficionado, but I, I still kind of wonder what's going on with Jarrell Brantley. I mean, Maybe he's a guy who can play small ball five for a few minutes here and there. Um, I, I don't think they had great options this uh, season, and, and so, yeah, those are going to be priorities this off season. But I just can't help but think they should have tried something, try anything in that second half, even if it's Joe Ingles at the five. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not fleet of foot, obviously, compared to a lot of other guys, but he's not going to be any slower than Nicholas Batum. Um, so those, I, I think you've identified three important things that they got to go after. And even if they get one or two, I think it's a successful offseason. So there's another part of me that says this really sucks because it looked so wide open. But for a team that, uh, you know, this group hadn't been out of the first round the last couple of years, that's not the profile of a champion. Now, like you say, Phoenix might end up winning this, and Phoenix hadn't even been in the playoffs in a decade. So that's not the profile of a champion either. So, you know, Milwaukee, I guess, is the one team that if they win it, you can say, well, they were building towards it, and this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because the Atlanta Hawks and the Phoenix Suns are coming out of nowhere, historically speaking, and that shouldn't happen. You know, maybe the Clippers or Bucks, you understand a little more, but not the Clippers without Kawhi. Mm-hmm. So only the Bucks would fit the model of what, how a champion should progress. Having said that, the Jazz are on a progression path. Stockton and Malone didn't get there until their seventh and eighth years and required a first-round upset to give them an easier opponent in the second round to get to the Western Final. So shouldn't everybody stand back even though, well, that's never going to happen and I'm asking the impossible? No, I think you're looking at it the rational way. Um, <laughs> well, who's got time for that? <laughs> I don't think there are. And I kind of understand why so many people are irrational at this point. It's been, I think, 10, 15, 20 years in the NBA of a pattern being established that if you don't get it done in two or three years, it's time to break it up. Um, Where, I mean, you bring up a great example with the 90s Jazz and how long it took them to get to the finals. Um, It took Michael Jordan quite a while to get to his first finals. And that was sort of the model in the past. We've gone away from that now. Um, And we're in this. We're in this. Super constant, teams, <laughs> yeah. Super teams. Turnover. If you don't, if you don't have a superstar, you can't win. Um, and if you don't get it done in two or three years, you got to try something else. And so I think there will be a temptation 
to look at this roster and say, well, you know, we've we've gotten cooked by a small ball lineup a few times in the playoffs. Um, maybe we explore the mark explore the market for Rudy Gobert. I don't I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, because like I said, against 24, 25 teams, he is dominant. I mean, he. I, I looked this number up the other day. In the last five seasons, the only player in the league with a better total plus minus than Gobert is Stephen Curry. Um, if you trade Gobert and suddenly the team's built around Mitchell, I mean, it might work, but you could also be, you know, seventh or eighth in the playoffs next season. You'd be the, I think Gobert, you'd be the, you'd be the Portland Trailblazers. For sure. I mean, you'd be in a very similar situation. That's a great comparison. Um, Gobert is a guy that, that almost guarantees you a top five defense and gives you a really good shot at home court advantage every single season. And so I don't, I think it's way too early to pull the plug on that. Um, I, I think what you got to do, and this is more difficult to do, especially with the size of Gobert's contract, um, but you have to be able to adjust for those four or five teams that can punish you when you have Gobert on the floor. You have to have some other option that you can go to, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes in the second half, 15 minutes in the second half, there's got to be some kind of an adjustment available. Um, because every year, especially in the Western Conference, we see year after year, there's at least two or three teams towards the end that can do that. They can they can deploy those positionless lineups that can hurt you from the outside, and, and we've seen that that's trouble for Gobert and the Jazz. So to go back to that whole building thing where the Jazz, uh, it takes seven or eight years, depending on which player you're talking about, for Stockton Malone to get to a conference final. And then they go to five conference finals in seven years, and we all get spoiled. Yeah. And by the way, I showed up in town at exactly the right time. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but that team, the win in 92, the first one, they moved everybody on the roster. They lost to the Blazers in the conference finals in six and of the Clyde Drexler group, right? And so they walk off. They lose that series. They walk off. That's the spring of 92. By the fall of 94, 18 months later, there's only three guys left on the roster. Stockton, Malone, Benoit. They flip everybody else. And because they went five times in seven years and because they kept a couple, you know, the, the stars together... Nobody really notices that. So yeah. the people who are screaming, oh, go bear, I'm like, wow. No, because of all the reasons you said. But the roster right now is set up where there's a guy or two around Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell whose contract comes up every year. It's Conley and Niang this year, Niang being the ninth guy in the rotation. It's Ingles the next year. It's Bogey and Favors the year after that. It's Royce O'Neal and Jordan Clarkson after that. So the roster is set up to flip if that's what they decide needs to be done. Some of these guys are younger, some of these guys are older, and that will you know, obviously inform the decision. But they're there to flip a guy or two every year, and then if you accelerate it with a trade... I don't know if it'll be as dramatic as what they did in 92, but this roster could change dramatically. I don't think it changes dramatically this summer because Dennis Lindsay just said, we see in Houston, when he was in Houston, and in San Antonio, now in Utah, we've seen guys in their second or third year really make big steps forward. This will be year three for Conley if he resigns. This will be year three for Bogey. So, but if they get to another year and, you know, if they go out in the first round next year, well, then there's going to be massive roster turnover. I don't think it will involve Gobert and Mitchell, but beyond Gobert and Mitchell, it might involve anybody because you've got a lot of guys who will either be free agents or only have one year left on their deal. So it seems to me that's the timeline for massive change. 
Yeah, I think you could be onto something there. And I, I don't necessarily think that anything should be off the table over the next few years. Probably Donovan Mitchell. Um, because, and I, you know, I should be stronger than probably even. <laughs> Mitchell. Um, they're, they're, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, Mitchell's they're, they're the guy. So didn't didn't guys. you? Didn't yeah. you watch him in the playoffs on one angle, score 39, and have nine <laughs> rebounds and nine assists and think, he's doing this and they know he can't drive and jump, and he's going for yeah. 39 and nine? To me, Bubble Mitchell, that w- he just happened to be in a bubble. That's who he is. Doesn't have anything to do with yeah. shooting background and travel. You can ride Mitchell as a number one scoring option to an NBA title. The last two years, uh, three playoff series have convinced me. I'm I'm with you there. And yeah, I think probably was too light of a word to use there. I mean, he's He's ridiculous. I think when I looked it up, he's got the fifth highest playoff scoring average in in league history. Um, the guys behind guys like Durant and, and Jordan. I mean, he's in rarefied air there. Um, and I think it's especially impressive, as you just said, that he was doing it on one leg here in the last couple of games against the Clippers. So let's put him off the table. Um, I don't necessarily think that they should rule out a Gobert trade. I think that they should have to be blown away by an offer for that to happen, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think other teams in the league, after what just happened in the playoffs, are going to blow that jazz away with an offer. Um, so those two guys are probably set. Um, and like you said, there there are opportunities for turnover over the next few years. I've, I've brought this up on your show and elsewhere a bunch of times. I, I am concerned about the size of a Conley-Mitchell backcourt, but I don't know what else you do if you let Mike Conley walk? You don't have cap space suddenly if you don't re-sign him. They're already over the cap. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's a two- or three-year deal for Conley, whatever it may be, um, but you might have to sign him because you just you can't really lose that asset. Um, so I think you're right. I think the timeline might be pushed out another year or two before there are big changes made. I think as far as top twos go, there really aren't many that get better than Mitchell and Gobert and still have some potential to grow. I think, I think there are still some steps that Mitchell can take. Um, you know, Gobert's probably a finished product at this point. And I, you know, I'm not one of those guys who think he needs to add a jump hook or anything like that. I think he can score 16, 17 points a game as a lob finisher. Um, so I think they've got a great top two. And I think over the next couple of years, if they don't break through next season, um, yeah, they're, they're going to have to start thinking about adjusting that roster a little bit. I don't care about Gobert shooting 15-footers. we got people tweeting at no. us. I don't think he needs to add that. I just think he needs to be able to finish through contact when he's inside of five feet. Yeah, I think if, you, you know, if he's got Reggie Jackson on him or something like that, you should be able to dump it to him and he turns and dunks. Um, I, I think that should be the extent of his post moves. I don't even necessarily think he needs like a drop step. Um, you know, it'd be nice if he could add something like that. But I think he gives you a decent amount of offense already with what he's got. But I think I think that point that you just made is very fair. If if he's got a guy who's five, six, seven inches shorter than him, um, you know, it should be a little bit easier to punish them for that. Andy, I have many questions about the NBA and the NBA playoffs. We'll have to get to them another time. But real quick, uh, who's in the finals and who wins? What a crazy conference finals right um (laughs) yeah i I think the safe pick is probably phoenix and milwaukee in the finals just because Kawhi's out like we've said a bunch of times and i i'm i'm gonna say milwaukee i mean you can hear me starting the word phoenix but i'm gonna say milwaukee (laughs) it's (laughs) such a tough call right now i think it would be a cool story if chris paul broke through um i i think 
I think Milwaukee's just a little bit more talented at the top. I'm, as I say this, I'm kind of you know thinking through the rosters in my head, and I'm not so sure. Um, but just for the sake of giving you a pick, I'll say Milwaukee. Andy, we appreciate the time. Look forward to having you again on the show down the road. Appreciate it. There's Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. The second pick will be made by the Houston Rockets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Crowder waiting with it. Lobs it under. Yes! It's good. DeAndre Ayton scores the basket over the rim and in. DeAndre Ayton put it over the rim and in. Batum to get the ball at the baseline. He has it. He's going to throw it length of the court. He does. It is grabbed. And the game is over. And the Suns beat the Clippers 104-103. There's no offensive goaltending on an inbounds play, PK. Just throw the ball over the rim and let Aiden bat it into the hoop with a few tenths of a second left. I didn't think it was goaltending either way, but that's just me. Yeah, it's now being called the Valley Oop. The Valley Oop. Because, of course, it is. The Valley, we know from their jerseys. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Valley of the Sun. Now it's the Valley of the Oop. It was obvious to me that that's the play they were going to do. Chuck it up Because it wasn't time to do anything else? Well, if it was there, you would take it. And Marcus, DeMarcus Cousins, I'm not going to call a, a, a grown man boogie, so forget that. DeMarcus Cousins took a bad how angle. How about you take an angle yeah, and get... totally agree. So they were took not a, throwing the length of the court there. or the DeMarcus, man, he denied that ball getting in the corner. Yeah, he was making <laughs> sure that they didn't throw the ball up the uh, sideline. What an idiot. You got to get between your man and the hoop. And he left the perfect little lane to throw that pass. Yeah. That they put you in there because you're 6'11", and you, you're to the left of where you should yeah. have been. Scoot over. <laughs> Protect the basket at all costs. <laughs> nope. Oh, my goodness. And then the NBA has got to get a hold. 33 minutes to play two minutes. That was so long. <laughs> so long. 90 <laughs> seconds. It wasn't even two minutes. It was like 90 seconds. There were five reviews. None of them were quick. A 10-year-old with a joystick could have done that in a fraction of the time. What took so long? Yeah, you're giving all these teams timeouts, basically. Yeah. Why do you need subs? Good grief. They've got to get a handle on that. That was way, way, way too long. It was ridiculously long. And they should have, I mean, the, the Clippers obviously blew it. Paul George didn't make the free throws. and He's reversing uh, the narrative, and then he's pouring gas on the narrative. Yeah. It was exciting. They're up 2-0, and Clippers have gone back. Well, isn't this so. isn't this the Nuggets last year? And they were 3-1 down 3-1 to the Jazz. They rallied and won. They were down 3-1 down to the Clippers. They rallied and won. They got down 3-1 to the Lakers. And it was like, nope, Lakers finished them off. And now, Clippers have been out 0-2 and beat Dallas, 0-2 and beat Utah, and now 0-2 it. And the Suns are going to finish them off. They're not going to do it again. Well, ah, you're, you're not buying it. 
You know, yeah, I, I don't know that. I can't. I can't say that. I mean, obviously, the team that's up 2-0 is a heavy favorite. So uh, I would go along those lines. And, and Chris Paul. I mean, hopefully, he can come back. I've had more symptoms than he has this week, and and he needs to be out on that floor. So yeah, certainly, I would favor the Suns. But yeah, who knows? Well, without him, Cameron Payne, who's just classic journeyman. I mean, he's a lottery pick, but he's a classic journeyman, fourth team, and. It's like 26, and I think he played in China. He played in the G League and bounced around, but that was an awesome game out of him. Yeah, wasn't he like 13, 14? When does when is a lottery pick? He's lottery like, he was the last. He was 14. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like literally the last lottery pick. <laughs> so Not exactly. I'd you rather know, go 15 than 14. Not exactly hitting on Shaq. You so know, I don't or, have or the LeBron. burden of lottery picks. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be 15. <laughs> I'm out! Yeah, well, then if I suck, well, I wasn't a lottery pick. But, yeah, obviously he did play well. There's no question about that. I totally agree. 29 points, 9 assists, couple steals, couple blocks, zero turnovers, shot 50% from the floor. And he looks super quick. He just looked like he had a faster speed than the people who were guarding him. Well, they got Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's supposed to be, I mean, the... I mean, they also have Rondo, and then they also have Reggie Jackson. So they got a lot of different guys who can match up with them. But Beverly's a guy, when you're having problems, you're supposed to put Beverly on somebody. He's a guy who's going to D people up. That's what he's in the league for. Or Not there head for butt shooting. people up, <laughs> if necessary. <laughs> so the Suns get the win, 104-103, and now it shifts back to L.A. for Game 3. Uh, you also there heard the uh, draft lottery. And I think, uh, I don't think we have any particular care one way or another about Detroit. But hey, like hey. Pick. my, mo- my oh, mother-in-law and the great beyond. <laughs> there you go. Spent Four. Born there, spent many, many Your years Your wife there. has family in Michigan. Got the ties. Yeah. But for the top five picks, we'll go to the East. We've lamented in the West how all the stars keep ending up in the West, and the West stays loaded in the East. Oh, we don't know if there's going to be stars. Well, they got it's just throwing numbers up against it. Well, no, but in the past, like Luka Doncic ends up in the West. And we have lamented that before. But it, the East, you got four of the top five picks. Try not to know, screw this up. That, but that they, they might not them. screw it up, but the guys might not be stars. There might just not be any stars. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You don't know. Although I absolutely am in love with Suggs from Gonzaga. Now that's uh, residency bias, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. But I love the kids' game. I mean, I I just I would take him, but that's bias. I've seen Cunningham play because I have the wooden vote, so I try to make sure uh, that uh, I watch the top guys because they send you a preseason, then they send you a midseason. They keep so winnowing it down they for call, you. Yeah, they do yeah. it. So I once we get to the midseason, and that's the list. Then they send you another list that's reduced even more. But so I point being is I w- I've watched Cunningham play a number of times and he does look smooth. And well, all. and the other guy we've seen who is supposed to go very quickly is Mobley. And I obviously seen seen yeah. him in the, yeah, USC. The, so we've seen he, a lot. He, of he him. looks yeah. like he can be a player. He needs to gain some weight and all that. But I love Suggs. I think he's got a ready-made game, ready-made body, um, and I would take him in my Detroit Pistons. And then there's guys we really don't know anything about. I mean, I know the name Jalen Green playing that in that G League Ignite G League, thing, yeah. but I don't know how he's developed in the past year. I mean, or what, I've seen you know. him play, but not to the. That's the thing about the G League is you're aware of these guys, especially right. now with this other team. But you don't. They're not as exposed in my mind as much as the college guys. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're hardcore Pistons, man. After my mother-in-law died, 
we went back there, and her brother lives there, and my wife is there, and we had a, uh, so her uncle, my mother-in-law's brother, took us around the places where my mother-in-law grew up, and I never knew, like they grew, they went to my grandmother's house, or my, my wife's grandmother, and she's choking up, and she's, oh, every year for like 10 years, I spent weeks there in the summers, you never even told me. <laughs> I did not know you had this personal connection to the Detroit area. It was bizarre. You think you know somebody, and then they tell you this. Yeah, we were here. We did this. We did that. <laughs> yeah, so she has an extensive knowledge of the Detroit area. Well, then I, I, I didn't think know. Everyone listening is very happy for your wife and her extended family <laughs> that the Pistons have the number one pick in the lottery. No, but her mother moved to Arizona. And she was born in Arizona. So if you want to have her be happy, it was on the Valley Loop. Valley Loop. She's way I a do thousand like times catchy. more than a, <laughs> a Suns fan than anything in Detroit. Not worried about. And her brother actually, who was in. Grow, is a two years younger, uh, born in Phoenix. He was in the auto industry and has lived in Detroit for mm-hmm. like 35 years. That's kind of funny. well. The Pistons have the top pick, and the Rockets are two, and then it's uh, Cavs and Raptors and Magic, a bunch of Eastern teams. So, you guys, Suggs will probably end up in the East, and Mobley will probably end up in the East. Maybe we'll have a draft date today. Maybe somebody in the West will trade into one of those top projections. Spots. I saw had Mobley going to Houston. And Houston number two. I saw. I'm looking at mock draft right going now. To Orlando. Yeah. Oh, really? That's the one I saw. Okay. And uh, so Mobley going second. Yeah, and Suggs is. I'm looking at one where Suggs is four, and he saw one where Suggs was five. Maybe. Uh, Cade oh, Cunningham. Five. Five. That's a joke. Yeah, I've been talking Kate, about Cade Cunningham, top pick, Oklahoma State guy. Yeah. Cunningham is the guy I've been talking about. But no, I I would uh, I would if I'm Houston, I trade uh, for Gobert in the Jazz draft him. Look at you. Yeah. Atlanta, Milwaukee, Eastern Conference Finals Game 1. Prepare for some grainy old photos of the Milwaukee Hawks. Atlanta going to their ancestral home. Who do you like in the East? Bucks or Hawks? Oh, I'm going to root for the Hawks. I mean, I don't care. Cool. Why are you going to root for the Hawks if you don't care? Because they're the underdog. Oh, there you go. 6.30 tonight on TNT. Lakers guard Alex Caruso arrested, released Tuesday for possession of marijuana and drug paraphernalia, according to Texas A&M police, both in misdemeanor charges. Tried to board a flight. In College Station, Texas, which is actually the airport, is on AM property. TSA searched his bags, found a herb grinder that contained marijuana, prompting his arrest. Well, DeAndre Ayton's the only one who got higher yesterday in the NBA. Boom, Valley Oop. <laughs> and Vanessa Bryant, widow of Kobe Bryant, has agreed to settle the lawsuit with the pilot and the owners of the helicopter that crashed last year, killing her husband. Terms of the settlement confidential, not disclosed. They're whittling down the Olympic team. Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, thanks, but no thanks. They've declined to play. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Kevin Love have all committed to play in Tokyo. Going to have enough juice to go get the gold, PK? A few guys opted out. Donovan Mitchell opted out. Well, there's a lot of things have changed over the time. Nobody plays 82. Uh, nobody declines. And uh, an Olympic invitation. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, the last dance was a big portion of it. Now you got this guy. I don't want to go. 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 So it's certainly changed in the 30 years. 
But I believe that as long as I'm alive. The U.S. will win the gold. And I had a major health scare yesterday, but as long as... uh, (laughs) As long as I'm alive, the U.S. will win the gold, yes. You made your health scare yesterday. What was that? Oh, I thought I had, like, multiple viruses. I'm texting Scotty G, like, at midnight. I'm asking for his medical opinion because uh, I got to admit, I, I'm, I mean, I know you. You Fauci was your gospel, but uh, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that stuff. Uh, so I'm asking him, what do you think? So for some bizarre reason, I got sick yesterday. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib's jersey has been the top-selling one on Fanatics since he announced earlier in the week that he was gay in a social media post. His jersey's gone right to the top, right past Tom Brady. guess everybody has their Brady jerseys. Has Tom, uh, not Tom, Tim Tebow. Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown's probation was terminated one year early. Criminal matter stemming from altercation with a moving truck driver was finalized yesterday, per his lawyer. Not a sedentary truck driver? Pled no contest to felony burglary charge, battery, and criminal mischief. And I have to believe that those are false charges because that guy has been on the straight and narrow his whole life. Brown was charged with uh, assaulting the driver who delivered items to his home. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Here's Juan DeFranco, switcher to batting righty. Had the first pitch to him. Swing and a high drive. Deep to left field. On its way. His first big league hit is a game-tying three-run homer. It's 5-5. Five to five. Joe Girardi is asking the home plate umpire, Tim Timmons and Alfonso Marquez, to take a look at something. Joe must have seen something with one of the baseballs. Scherzer's looking over to the dugout saying, really? But they must have seen something. So Dave Martinez is coming out. Davey's upset. He is upset. Look at Joe. I love it. I love it. So we got highlights on the field and drama off the field. Let's start with the drama, PK. Max Scherzer checked by umpires. Not once, not twice, three times. He's got to have something. What's yeah, he got? Those were the Philly announcers. I don't think Joe Girardi saw anything. What he saw is sure. He saw him going, going to his down. <laughs> he saw. Um, well, he said in his post game quotes that he saw him go into his hair again and step off the mound, take off the cap, run your fingers through the hair. He's practically bald. <laughs> Have you what? seen him without a cap? Hence. There's something hidden he up there. He didn't see anything. What he saw was Scherzer mowing him down. And this is new, take a look at them, so take advantage of it while you can. See That's you what he break saw. break the momentum. And then Scherzer, the next time, was about ready to get naked out there. Nationals beat the Phillies 3-2. to two. Yeah. Wanda Franco making his Major League Baseball debut. Another... Uh, Highly anticipated young player coming through the Rays system. And, man, did he cash in or what? Started at third base, had a double, had a homer, drove in three ribbies. Although the Rays lost and the Red Sox won 9-5 in 11 innings. Yeah, he hit that home run. His father was going berserk. Had a camera right on him. That was kind of cool. 20 years old, out of Dominican. Got two brothers, and they're also named Wander. I don't understand that. In a house full of Pats. I know, but at least we had, you had a, Yeah, you had different genders, different generations. Different gen, yes. Rays have now lost seven in a row. They had the lead in the division, but the Red Sox have got it now by a game and a half. They do. 
Padres beat the Dodgers 3-2. Got a couple of home runs. Hold on for the win. So they've uh, won the first two games in that series. Padres four and a half games behind the Giants. Dodgers are three back of the Giants now. Well, Dodgers have continued been battered by injury all season. They've got to find a way to get healthy. I think Bellinger is supposed to come back today. and That should help. Uh, the Padres, uh, you know, I don't know that they have a team capable of winning the division, but you get in the postseason, and at least with two pitchers right off the top, Darvish and Snell, you've got a chance. Because pitching obviously really, really matters. Giants beat the Angels 5 to nothing. So, the Giants... In control of that division right now. It's conceivable that the wild cards both can come from the same division. Right now they would. There's nobody else in the National League to take it away. The East is really struggling, so the question is what will happen to the Central? The Brewers and Cubs are tied for the division lead there. Cubs beat the Indians 7-1. Chris Bryant homered. Kyle Hedrick's got his 10th win. Cubs right alongside the Brewers there. The Brewers beat the Diamondbacks. Arizona shut out. They got their win. They snapped their 17-game losing streak. Well, you take the pressure off. You don't want to go crazy. Exactly. Just raises expectations. I mean, at this point, you're, you're shooting for the number one pick. DJ and PK. Oh, the bees. Miss the bees. Hashtag RSL. Miss the bees. They wrapped up the series in Sacramento with a 12-5 win. They're off today. RSL in Seattle to take on the unbeaten Sounders tonight. They were off to a great start. Six wins, three ties, haven't been beaten in their first nine. They're crushing it. Garth Lagerway used to be the GM here up there running things. He's hired Craig, Craig Weibel up there, too. So Two oh, yeah. former RSL GMs A lot of guys up there. up there. Yep. David Locke used to be up there. Now he's back. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, maybe Lagerway Will Lagerway return? You don't know. Who the hell's going to own that team? That's another thing I don't know. Game tonight at 8 o'clock. Pre-game at 7.30. See if RSL, who's only been beaten once themselves, can get some get a point or maybe even three out of Seattle. Somebody's got to beat Seattle at some point. What is training is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock, Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Aaron Falk, new sports editor to the Salt Lake Tribune. Returning to the Trib. We'll talk with him at 8 o'clock. Tim Lacombe. Jazz radio studio analyst will join us at 8.30. Question of the day is coming up next. The Jazz season is over. You sticking with the NBA playoffs? Major League Baseball? Waiting for the British Open in Wimbledon? RSL? What's your deal? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot takes your toast brought to you by Jerry Snyder Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac. Jerry Snyder Cadillac today. Question of the morning. 
With the Jazz season over, do you stick with the NBA playoffs? Do you switch to Major League Baseball? Are you watching RSL? Or what? Pickleball. <laughs> Tavave says, I'm not watching bleep. Except he didn't write bleep. You ever play pickleball? I think I did once when I was a kid. I don't think it existed when you were a kid. Well, there was some mini <laughs> tennis court, and there was a paddle, and it wasn't as long as a was racket. Ping pong? No. <laughs> it <didn't. laughs> okay. I, my aunt was into it. I think it was some early version of pickleball. I played it last week. I played it for the first time about a month ago, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Sure. It's a rage, man. It is the, I played it up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You got these courts and these people show up every morning and then you play these games. It's a fun sport. It's way, way better than tennis. Because? More action. Uh, you don't have to be as good. You don't have to be as in good a shape. Now, you can be. I mean, obviously, if smaller I, court, you don't have if, as much ground to cover. If I played it, then obviously you can be successful when you're in great shape. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a great little fun game, man. And my my wife's friend is addicted. Plays three hours every every morning up there in Jacksonville. Plays three hours. Every so that's a lot of pickleball. Yeah. So like five days a week. That's the weekday. That's the job in retirement up at Jackson Hole. Yeah, she doesn't work, but uh, right. so there's nothing to retire from. Uh, you know, you, you always to me when I go out and seek friendships, it's like, what can you do for me? You know, what what kind of amenities can you provide? And if you can provide a bunch, then I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> and my wife's friend. Now she's known this person for many many years, and uh, she married into a fairly affluent family who has timeshares up there. As you know, I've been going up there the entire length of our show. It's a true story. Yeah. That was my first introduction to Salt Lake City, actually. Flying into Salt Lake to go up to yes. Jackson. And then on the way back, I had had a friend that I knew very, very well in California who moved up here. So on the way back, uh, we set it up to spend a few days here, which is an absolutely true story. So we spent a few days here instead of just you know having a connection. And... Then that that was the point where I picked up the old Salt Lake Tribune for the for you kids. There used to be this newspaper that would be out. What? You could hold it. And so I read it, and I went back and fired off a resume. And that started everything, yes. huh? Yes, and then a at least a year, if not two years, I'm working at the Daily Breeze, and I'm with a coworker, and we were working night shifts. And so uh, we went out to golf. My wife's a teacher, so she's in, working in the day, obviously. She's working at the prep, 108th Street in Danker, South Central. And uh, I come back from uh, golf, and there's a message on my machine. They used to have these answering machines. What? And there, was there a telephone on the wall, or did it sit <laughs> on the... Tell us of all of these. <laughs> it was on the counter. It was not on the wall. <laughs> and... There was a message from another coworker. We would, we would trade off. Sometimes you'd work day shifts. Sometimes you'd work night shifts. So you knew everybody on the staff. And uh, so I click on the thing and said, PK. They called me PK back then. I've been called that since about 14. And uh, I said, this is Brian. Yeah, the guy called uh, uh, an editor from the newspaper in Salt Lake City, and he wants to get in touch with you. 
So, and, and the number he had had changed because we'd moved, but he had this number. So I figured I better tell you. And I took down his information and it was uh, Tom McCarthy. The McCarthy's used to own the paper. Great. I loved it when they owned it. Uh, and, and Tom was in the newsroom every day. Big Ute fan. That, that's the McCarthy Center where the Gonzaga Bulldogs play basketball. And then the practice fields here at Utah football, the McCarthy practice fields. And Tom, great guy. And uh, so he called me. And I figured, well, I got my buddy who had just moved up a year or two later, and it was in the summer. In fact, it was like uh, this week, 20 friggin' eight years ago. <laughs> and I was 11 years old. And uh, so he called me. I figured, well, I'll just come up and uh, get in a couple of rounds of golf with my buddy who lived up here. And then, sure enough, they uh, offered me the job. Little did you know. Yeah. All stemming from playing pickleball in Jackson. That's crazy. Cole says, I'm doing everything on your list. I'm watching the NBA playoffs. I'm watching baseball, and I'm watching Real Salt Lake. That's Cole, probably Cole's, me. Cole's all in. Yeah. To me, i got to watch the NBA playoffs. I mean, I'm a playoff junkie. It really doesn't matter the sport because the intensity and everything picks up. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter the level, for that matter, either. I mean, you can just feel something that is unfeelable, is that uh, the, the intensity in postseason, I mean, you can go in a rec league and becomes the playoffs – and people play harder. It means more. And so, yeah, and I know a lot of folks, they're just disgusted. I was talking to a friend uh, yesterday, and, you know, he's from here, and he was saying, man, the door was wide open. <laughs> there were no roadblocks. And I could feel his pain, to quote our buddy Bill Clinton. And, yeah, because it was right there. This was a phenomenal change. This was like now, in retrospect, this was like the Jazz losing the two seasons Jordan wasn't there. That's exactly what it's going to go to. Yeah. When they lost to Houston in the first round, it's game five and they're up. And yeah. It was there for the taking. Now that was the first round, you say? Is that what it was? They lost to him once in the first yeah. round. Well, when they lost him in the first round, Houston was a champion. The, on their way to the first title, they worked the Jazz pretty good in the conference final. They were just the better team. But the next year, the Jazz had had a better regular season and just looked better and were up. <laughs> and it's 2-2. It's game five. They got a 10-point lead with five minutes to go at home. I don't remember any of those details. And they lose the game. Absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. I, I remember it because it was, it, was, it was a horrible loss. People felt terrible. And they feel terrible now. We'll never know, obviously, but I could argue strongly that if they had a healthy team that they could have won the title. Now, maybe they wouldn't have. We'll never know. And I know people say, well, Kawhi Leonard was out, and you're all justified uh, in saying you can't say this or that because the other team had a player who is usually the best player out on the floor in 95% of the times that he walks out, and he's gone, and you have a home game here, and you couldn't get it done. Sure, yeah, I, I if that's what you want to say, I can't argue. Uh, just like those folks who say, man, if we would have had all our guys, we would have won the series, and we would have won the title. Uh, possibly. Everything was right there. You may never, Donovan Mitchell may never have an easier path. That doesn't mean he can't do it. Will he conquer a harder path? Yes. I mean, very well could do that, too. I mean, he's got to have some horses around him, as everybody does. This is a common, uh, I think, a common complaint. 
We, fill in the name blank of whatever team, Jazz, Lakers, Nets, we could have done it. The path was there if we just stayed healthy. Clippers, maybe the Nuggets. Man, if Jamal Murray hadn't torn his ACL, it was all set up. We could have done it. You're probably saying that in Denver right now. If they want to, sure. And whoever loses these conference finals might say the same thing. Uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. That was a golden chance. Possibly. Yeah, but but in, um, th- this team had three All-Stars. None of those other teams did. I mean, Denver only had one. Yeah. Jazz had three. Phoenix had two. Clippers had two. Mary says, go Suns. She's all in. A lot of people here with Arizona ties. Fair number of them will still be still be hooked on the playoffs. Yeah, I wonder if there are Arizona ties, or and some of them are certainly. A lot of LDS folks live down there who have a connection. Uh, but at the same time, I wonder if it's, well, I don't like the Clippers. They beat the Jazz, and the Suns are a nice story. Uh, smaller market, I guess. No one has really engineered that I'm going to Phoenix in the way Leonard did and with Paul George. And nobody on this team. I don't think Chris Paul, after a franchise that hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years, and you either trade me to Phoenix or I walk. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not how it worked. Right. And the rest of them, I mean, they, they were all drafted. Bridges drafted. I think it might have been a trade, draft day trade. Aiton. Aiton and Crowder Booker. was traded. Uh, and then Booker obviously was drafted. The Jazz took Lyles, and then the Suns took Booker on the next pick. It, the word was they were going to take whoever the Jazz didn't take, and the Jazz took the wrong guy. Don't. And the Suns took the right guy. And it worked out. And that good for them because they had had so many crappy picks that followed. Uh, high draft. I mean, so many four got four top ten picks, and none of them have done squat. And then they get Booker, which I think was like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And he ends up being the best of the lot. So I think there's a lot of feeling of far. The Suns don't really threaten what the Jazz want. So if we can't have it, let them have it. Got more people uh, weighing in here. DeJuro, long-time listener, says, I'm watching the Olympics in Tokyo. Okay, that's uh, for another month. I'm not an Olympic guy. You'll watch basketball. You can't help yourself. Well, what are they going to do with the time difference and everything and all that? I mean, if it's going to be tape delayed, probably not. And I'm certainly not going to get up at 2 in the morning to watch it. Which might be on during our show, though. Okay. Show works out. Yeah, I said. And I don't know. I don't know what the time, the time is yet. That's why I think for the sake of the world, all Olympics should be in the U.S. <laughs> for the sake of the world? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Despite what these people say, this is the greatest country in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People want to come here. And so they should have it the best times for us. Screw everybody else. 
Prime time here would be morning games in uh, in Asia. Yeah, but see, they're used to doing that, <laughs> right? I mean, that's when, when they in, when Ichiro's up at bat, <clears throat> people are watching. It doesn't matter yeah. what time of the day. We don't do that. When I got sent to uh, Nagano before the '98 Olympics, because the uh, the next Olympics was going to be was here. that the winter one too? Yeah, it was Winter Olympics oh, in '98. I could even care. There's nothing I care less in the sporting world than the Winter, the winter Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. Why didn't you say no? And so, uh, well, I didn't go to the Olympics. I went in October to do a series in November on the preparations for the games, and so we went into interview someone no? in some building. <laughs> went in in some building, and it's nine o'clock in the morning. And the World Series is on, and the Indians are playing. Yeah, that's what they do. We don't do that. Our Hawaiian residents are used to that, but the rest of us. True story. Been in Hawaii. Been in Hawaii for NBA Finals at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's weird. That's what they do. The game ends, and the sports day is over at like four (laughs) thirty. It's everything's a final. We're all done. Yeah. Go enjoy your evening on the beach. (laughs) Yeah. So they do that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I can it. barely tolerate the summer Olympics. Not tolerate's the wrong word. I'm just not that interested in it. Well, David's with you. He says my TV will stay off until college football and the NFL kick off. I don't see how you can't be interested in the NBA finals. Because we're hardcore and a lot of people aren't as hardcore as us. But we watch all championships. It's the most fun. It's where you get your best payoff. The intensity. That, that thing last night, the valley, the valley oop, and then 33-plus minutes to play two <laughs> minutes of basketball and these stupid reviews and, and all this stuff. And then the celebration. I mean, Sarich, who's a big man, picks up Aiton, who's even bigger. <laughs> I mean, they just if, if that's in January, I don't think they do that. Right, the agony and intensity and all that. If Paul George misses two free throws in February, I already missed two free throws. You got a game tomorrow, so what's the point of worrying? But here he missed. So he's been having this great postseason. This for him, he's been having a breakout, putting to rest the demons, and then he goes to the line and clanks two. And the demons are back. Yeah. Could have put them up three. Yeah. Ever an 85% uh, free throw shooter. At least make one and you got OT. You don't know that necessarily, but the probability of OT is probably pretty good at at that point. And so then an extra five minutes, who knows? But he misses two. And the Suns fans, when Booker went out with the nose thing, they brought it up because they can remember when Nash got hit in the frame bridge of the nose and they had to take him out, and they couldn't stop the bleeding, and the game's going on, and he can't stop the bleeding, so he can't go back in. And the first thing, uh, I, I recall that, that they would be talking, I guarantee you people will be talking about that today because they thought about that because I saw it on Twitter. Here we go again. And I think it was in 07. The blood was gushing out of Nash's top of his nose area, and how long was Booker going to be out? Now he was out for a little bit and then came back. And, and I always like it when they got the stuff stucked up, stuffed up each natural. Somehow you look way meaner. <laughs> Mouth breather. <laughs> I got no other option. Didn't Stockton, after he missed all those games in the second year of the finals, he came back in the first game. And if I remember correctly, it was Indiana. I'd have to double check that. And him doing these picks down low. Dale Davis had had enough. 
and just smacked him to the floor. And Stockton <laughs> had galls stuck up the nostrils. John Stockton, my favorite point guard of all time. <laughs> I love John Stockton. Gritty, tough, independent. Bleeding on people. Country music fan. Brought him out on stage when Garth Brooks was here. And I went to the show. Place went nuts. There's not an NBA player I admire more than John Stockton. Brian says, I watch very little sports in the summer. Too many other things to do. I'll try to go see the Bees in person once or twice. Agreed. That's it. Dialed out. Utah Summer Nights, they're awesome. Last summer was the first time since I've lived here I did not go to the stadium to watch a ball game. There were no ball games at the stadium to see. Right. Other than that, sure. It's just gorgeous over there. Hang out at the stadium. I don't even can tell you one thing that goes out out on the field. Doesn't matter. Just to be there. Sights and sounds. Oh, I I can remember one. Uh, They're playing Albuquerque, and I'm with my friend. And uh, Albuquerque, top of the first. They score like seven, eight runs, something like that. And Rick Dempsey, catcher, was the manager. Mm-hmm. First batter for the Bees in the bottom of the first. They probably weren't even the Bees then. He walks the guy. And here comes Dempsey. And I say to my buddy, watch this. <laughs> and Dempsey's head, I can't hear what he's saying, but his head is bobbing up and down. <laughs> it's like, son, we just gave you an eight-run lead. You bleep and lob the ball over the plate <laughs> and throw strikes, man. You're, you, and I knew he was going to do that. Yeah, and I remember that all these years later. I took batting practice off of Dino Ebel, who's now the third base coach of the Dodgers. Used to manage the bu- the. They base. had a media day there, and you just went out there and crushed it? No. Kathy Aiken had better line drives than I did. <laughs> she was an athlete. And uh, she was smacking him in the left field. I'm thinking, oh, I'll just make contact. I was, so, I was nervous. Adam says, I'm going to watch the Oakland A's until the Niners start up, and then the Jazz will be playing again before you know it. Yeah, that's the thing about everything. And we're back. So my sister was here last week, and she's from Phoenix area. And the heat is always, it's just a dominant topic there. And... uh she was saying, well, yeah, you know, I don't really get that caught up in it because before you know it, it'll be cooler and the weather will be good again. I said, yeah, but then before you know that, it'll be summer again. <laughs> <laughs> you troublemaker. <laughs> so Saturday, we're up in Wyoming. and uh, Wow, it's going to be 99 with showers in Arizona. It's not even getting to 100 today. Yeah, They're catching a break. Some storms coming through. And they said, uh, so my friends, two of her kids were flying up from the Phoenix area. And so we met them for lunch. They had a morning flight. And first thing, man, is that the weather here is so nice. We just dropped 30 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Because we were outside. It was warm up there. It was unseasonably warm last week. And we were uh, under a tree at a park right next to the pickleball courts where we had played pickleball that morning. So... uh, the weather is something that is uh, dominant, but the weather here obviously is great. And I get it, be outside. But still, if I'm not watching every second and maybe I don't watch every second, I certainly pay attention and I monitor what's going on in, in, in these playoffs. I mean, last night's game was exciting. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah, but it's not like the Jazz. It's not like you're going to break down the first quarter of the game. No, it's not must-watch, I guarantee. You don't have the emotional investment. I don't have the emotional investment either way. I, I want and I view sports as entertainment, and last night's game was entertaining. The 30-plus minutes to play two minutes sucked. They've got to stop that. They've got to find a way, and I don't know what the solutions are. I'm not a solution guy. I just criticize. And, but all I know is that it just took way too long for such a short span of clock time. Steve says, Lord Stanley's Cup all the way. And Corbin says, go Knights, go. All about Las Vegas hockey. uh, They're down 3-2 to the Canadiens. I find hockey harder to watch on television. It's awesome in person. It's a hard TV sport. It's hard to watch on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, I don't know if they've tried to do things if if something can be done. You know, they they highlighted the puck in blue and and whatnot. So, but yeah, I haven't been to a hockey game in a long time. I I when I worked down there, you did a bunch of everything if you were the position I had. So, I mean, they sent me to the Kings playoff. There's a guy, uh, what was his name Jeff Cortnall or something like that for the other team. I had the other team's locker, and uh, guy scored three goals. And there's a group of people all around him. Well, I did not know. It turns out that he wasn't the guy who scored the three goals. And as I'm writing down quotes and stuff, and finally somebody said his name, and oh, man, it's a good thing I figured that one out. I would have screwed that up big time. <laughs> it's tough to walk into a locker room for the first time and not know what anybody the looks like. The visiting locker room. Right, no yeah, less. right. Yes. You not know who anybody is. Right. One more for you, and then we'll go to break. You ready for this one? Yes. I could give you 100 guesses on what this guy's doing to fill time with the Jazz out. And it's not it's not RSL. There's a few people here watching the European Championships. There's no Olympics in this one. Uh, baseball or anything like that. Scott, Scott Gilbert, I'm prepping for the bow hunt. I'm checking cams and enjoying cooler mountain air. I am far away from it all. What is he hunting with the bow? Uh, Bohan, I'm going to guess deer, but I don't know. He doesn't say. I've never hunted a thing in my life. I've never held a gun. I've never shot a gun. A BB gun. Mm. Not, not even a BB gun. I can't recall that. But not a real gun. I've never had that, ever. Be a number of listeners would be happy to take you out shooting, I'm sure. Yeah, and I know people are into that. You go up and play Mountain Dell, you can hear the shooting range and all that. But I've never, ever done that. I was a city guy all the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Coming up, Aaron Falk, Salt Lake Tribune sports editor. New gig for Aaron. He wrote for the paper for a while, went to work for the Jazz for a while, now he's back at the Trib, and we will get to that. Coming up in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I believe Donovan Mitchell. I believe Quinn Snyder. From Rudy Gobert all the way down to Trent Forrest. I believe those guys believed that they were better than the two teams that are currently playing in the Western Conference Finals. And that is what's nauseating. I think this is going to be a year that's going to stick in the craw of Jazz fans for a long time. And when we talk about opportunities and things like that, this is going to be a big what-if kind of year. What if the Jazz were healthy? Huge what-if. What if Donovan doesn't injure the ankle? What if uh, Mike doesn't injure the hamstring? The Jazz are looking at it like, if we're healthy, we didn't lose to a better team. 
Hans and Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. All right, PK, we got the uh, question of the day up. What are you going to do to fill time? And there's just a lot of people here saying, uh, enjoy summer nights. Camping, travel, and wait for college football because college football is the next major event on the sports calendar. Ours. So, yes, obviously in Phoenix, they'd like the NBA Finals to be the next major event on their calendar. They're two games away. And there's certainly stuff that interests people between now and then, but the next time that massive parts of this community will rally together or apart, if you know what I mean, Will be college football. September 11th. Circle it. BYU, Utah. There it is. The 20th anniversary of September 11th. Where's the time gone? 20 years. Where they go? 20 years. I don't know. Like a rock. Sing it. That's Seeger. And he's from Detroit. He is. Actually, <laughs> went to the same high school as my mother in law. Ironically enough, uh, she's she's older, and she's now deceased. Uh, and I was listening to, he was doing an interview, and his saxophone player is a guy named Alto Reed. And uh, he died of colon cancer in December. And I always thought, wow, that's so ironic. He played the alto sax, and his name was Alto Reed. Come to find out that his real name is like Thomas Cartwell. <laughs> Change his name. And all this time, I thought, wow, that is so ironic. I did not know he changed his name. He's the guy who does the intro to turn the page. Big sax starts it. You're the guy who likes to uh, click on people's names and get the backstory. I'm surprised it escaped you for that it long. It did. That's why you're so good at celebrities' ages. You... Seeger's one of my favorites. Ranks right there. Ah, here I am. On the road again. Love that song. I always change it. Yeah, this this is Alto. He died of colon cancer at 72 in December. This is him. He's a Detroit guy. Through the big sports fan, too, he was. East of Salt Lake. Huh? <laughs> what? Oh, man. Listen to Seeger. Is there a better, deeper, richer singer than Bob Singer? No. Ah, here I am on the air again. There I am. You're wrecking a good song. You know that, right? Cause and Rage. Riding 16 hours and there's nothing much to do. And you don't feel much like riding. You just wish the trip was through. Oh, yeah, this is good stuff, man, isn't it? I don't usually wish the trip was through. I like the long road trip. Here I am. On air again. Oh, come on. There I am. (laughs) Killing me. Causing a rage. Here I go. Playing star again. And like this, I like when it goes at the end here. Page. 
It's not just page. It's page. Okay. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the Phil Steele uh, prediction for the Pac-12, which is basically what thousands of Pac-12 fans would just write down on the back of the napkin if they just tried to spit something out? Whereas he gets to talk to every coach for an hour, pretty much, it seems like. Because he's tweeting out about it all the time. Is he? I don't yeah, follow he, Phil Steele. And he came out, and he came out with Just Bruce. bombards me with too many numbers. And he came out with basically what anyone would have just done off the top of their head. Uh, sure, if you're following the conference, though. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't follow the conference and aren't really sure. Right, but speaking to our listeners who generally are following the conference, so we're talking about it. SC one Utah two. Is that what you're talking about? Guess who was three? Uh, he'd have the Devils. Yep. And then he'd have UC Los Angeles yep. four, Colorado five, Arizona six. Bingo! There it is. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just you just did what Yak and I did yesterday. I'll bet you could do the North too. Uh, the North is a little bit different because. Uh, there's some questions there. There's more questions. now. The, the, it's not the, as hard as you yeah, might. <laughs> I don't know that it'll be all six the way I just named it either. I, Agreed. I, I can't say well, that. Well, and, and, and Yak and I were talking about that. I said they, these picks, like sometimes one and two should go on the same line because teams are going to end up tying at five and four and four and five. They always do. And, and sometimes there should be like triple space down to the next team. Arizona shouldn't, shouldn't be anywhere near Arizona State. Get them like quadruple, way down the page. Way I down think, the page. On uh, the North, I, I would be right now inclined to go with Washington. And so did Phil Steele. Uh, and so now I know who you're going with saying it, because you're not dropping Oregon lower than that. And I go with the Ducks second, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Stanford having a bounce back. And Phil Steele went with Stanford third. Look at oh, you go. <laughs> Look at you go. Well, I mean, but this is stuff that I follow, though. Right? I know. Sure. But and then? And then I'd go Cal. Finally a change. He went yeah. Wazoo he went, and then Cal. He went Washington State. I wouldn't. I would go Cal and then Washington State and then Oregon State. Right. So the only thing, 12 teams, the only thing you did was flip Cal and Wazoo. That's it. Everything else you nailed off the top of your head. Because I'm not sure what's going to happen at quarterback at Washington State with the freshman who looked good, but then he got the DUI. They kicked him off the team or suspended him or what? what's his status. But they got the ten- Tennessee kid. That the Cougars beat uh, the year before last. He's over there now as a as a grad transfer. Maybe he's just a regular transfer. I think he's a grad transfer. Uh, so not sure what's going to happen there. But yeah, I'm, 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 my goodness, I'm super excited once that gets around. I mean that that's that's my ultimate wheelhouse. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We'll talk Utah Jazz. We will talk Utes and Cougars and Aggies with Aaron Falk, sports editor. A new editor for a new era, PK. Where's it going? What's the trip going to look like? Who are they going to invest in? And we'll get to all of that coming up. Stay with us. He's going to join us next. Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, to put a wrap on the season at 8.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Aaron Falk, the new sports editor at the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. Time to welcome in Aaron Falk. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. 
We'd love to have you on every time your life changes. We were talking to you in the bubble less than a year ago, and look at this. The bubble's gone. You've left the jazz. You're the new sports editor at the Trib. How did all of this happen? You know, life life comes at you fast, David. There it is. Um, uh, you know, this was something that was sort of in the works for, for a few months for me. Um, it you know, uh, Joe Baird is, is the outgoing sports editor. Um, he was my boss for, you know, about five years, um, before I moved to the jazz and, uh, you know, he's retiring and, and just looking for, um, sort of, you know, this is a, this is an interesting time for the Tribune. It is a, um, in, in a nonprofit status at this point, we're at once a week, uh, a print product and kind of a, you know, heavy online as most things are. Um, and so just trying to figure out some of this, um, media landscape and it's, it's, um, it's intimidating and exciting all at once. And, and, uh, I think this is, this is day three on the job for me. And so just still trying to, to catch my breath and, and get my feet under me, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be back at a place that I, I love and, and truly believe in. So a lot of people, we see newspapers and it doesn't that conjure up, well, man, that's a uh, secure job and uh, who knows what's going to happen. Many have folded and all that. What would you say to that as far as job security, being able to go into a business that the better days are behind it? <laughs> well, um, you know, maybe maybe this is uh, partially motivated by, you know, we, we just went through a, a strange time in a pandemic. And I think a lot of people are um, reevaluating their their decisions and, and trying to do things that bring them um, the most joy. Um, maybe it's just a dog returning to its vomit. Maybe it's, um, you know, it's gotta be a better but, phrase than that. Uh, but you know, no, it's, it's something that, that I believe in. And honestly, here's, here's the deal. When I, when I left the trip, um, in, in 2018 to go to the jazz, um, one, the jazz was a great opportunity, and I, I'm truly thankful for the things that I was able to do there and the things I was able to learn there. Um, but when I when I left the Tribune, uh, it was it felt very dire. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know, there we'd been owned by a hedge fund for a very long time that had um, liquidated physical assets, changed um, operating agreement contracts, and and you know just looking for fast cash. Paul Huntsman had come in, um, John and Paul Huntsman had come in and, and tried to buoy things, but it was still um, really uncertain. And, and you know what? Um, this kind of, this being one of the first papers to go to a nonprofit um, model, uh, a lot of things to figure out there, but it, it was a step in the right direction. Um, and frankly, as, as much as it pains um, some longtime readers to only have a once a week print product, the cost of print um, and and all those things uh, were were so great that this this is an opportunity to not only you know make this a, a financially viable enterprise but to I think do some really cool journalism as well um, and and so you know what I I wouldn't be going back there if I thought that this was uh, a sinking ship I, I think that that the Tribune is um, uniquely positioned among you know traditional newspapers. Um, give, given those things that I just mentioned, and I am, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm going back to a sinking ship. I think I'm going back to a thing that we can, we can um, not just float, but 
but can cruise on for a very long time. And I think that's, I know I'm excited about it. And I hope, um, you know, in, in time, uh, all of all of our readers in, in this community can be excited about it again. It is still possible to do interviews one-on-one with people who aren't in uh, kind of the mainstream, most popular sports at the most popular levels. But if you're in the mainstream sports at the most popular levels, it's a series of Zoom calls. How do you do anything unique at the Salt Lake Tribune that people will want to make the effort to go seek out and read? Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it requires it requires um, effort. Um, it, re- it requires some some thinking and planning. But you know, even even the the best and, and biggest publications that are getting these you know a one on one with with an NBA star aren't getting huge amounts of time. It, it, and it goes back to just the things that that you know that you guys do when when you're booking guests that that PK did when when he was. Um, working at, at the Tribune, um, you know, it, it's 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 about finding things around the edges and filling in stories that way. It's about finding unique angles. It's about finding, um, taking that kind of commodity news that everyone has, making sure that you have your own angle and and um, and and your own analysis. And, and it's about hardworking and smart reporters. And I, and I think we have that. And I think we're we're going to uh, you know figure some things out and and you know get get going again and. Um, I, I think that possibility absolutely exists. It's just a matter of it's a matter of being strategic, planning, and then busting ass to, to do it. So one of the things that I think makes an effective sports section is that you give essentially the readers what they want, right? And then you could probably say that in every section. And uh, there was a sports editor a couple, I think it's two removed from you, a guy named Michael Anastasi. I'm not sure if you worked for him or not. Uh, but he comes up from uh, California, Los Angeles area, and he looks at it. You know, what what is big in our community? Well, the Jazz is obviously. I mean, they're the top dog, and they'll most likely always be the top dog. But he recognized that college football in our market is just gigantic. I mean, it is as big in our market as it is in any in the West, really. Uh, particularly when you consider our size. So the point I'm making is that he put tons of resources into college football. I mean, I remember one time, I think it was BYU played Notre Dame at South Bend, and I was the only guy who went, or the only person who went from the newspaper, and I had like eight stories to write that day. Anastasi comes in, he sends columnists, he sends sidebar guys, people, I shouldn't say guys, but people, and uh, really put a ton of financial resources into it. And I thought from that perspective, was a huge, huge addition and made college football super big to the level that the community bought into it. So I thought it was a brilliant decision. My thought for you going forward is what is your basic philosophy on that and will the resources be available for you guys to put that into something that I think the community just eats up? Yeah, you know, obviously the this is, like I said, you know, it's a nonprofit. It is these are these are um, different times, and and the the staffing levels and and some of the things simply just aren't aren't the way that they were, um, you know, 15 years ago, and and certainly before that. Um, so there there are we we have to be creative in, in some ways, but absolutely, I mean that that remains a, a, a top priority. Um, we're committed to to 
traveling um, for our for our writers. We are committed to to finding those stories and and you know maybe it's not you know I'm just just thinking maybe it's not sending five people to, to South Bend, but we can certainly find um, stories and, and ways to to have that product to have people engage because this is I mean we're, we you know it's not wanting to to only go out and write things that um the readers want sometimes that that you have to write things that, that maybe make people feel a little uncomfortable what have you but but this is we're, we're looking for subscribers i mean so we, we want to have a product that means something to our readers and and that's you know this we are i think once upon a time there you know the solid tribune the deseret news what have you they were they were you know the two big voices in the community and, and, you know, it was probably enough gravity that, that when somebody spoke, people listened. Now it's competition in, in, a, in a, on a level that, that, um, you know, didn't exist, especially when you're looking at across the, the entire internet landscape. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have to stand out. We have to be able to provide things that, that people want and we have to work for it. And, and that's, that's what we're committed to do. So there was a time when the Salt Lake Tribune was all in on high school sports coverage. And PK always makes the point that it's a passionate part of the sports landscape, but the people who move through that portion of the landscape are always changing. So it's a different group of people who are passionate. What kind of resources do you want to put on high school sports? Yeah, it's a conversation we're having, and and I think we will um, uh, put some more resources on that, but it's something that we're still figuring out. I'm um, like I said, this is this morning will be day three for me, and and there's a lot to uh, to process and, and go over. But um, we we do want to we do want to uh, lean into that because you're you're right. It is a passionate group. Um, it's, it's just a matter of of striking the right tone and and um, and and the right level with, with the staffing levels that we have right now. Um, but I I am uh, that that is that is high on my radar. Absolutely. I think all of us in the industry, and, and you know, I consider myself a print guy at heart, and I just cringe any time I hear the possibility of layoffs. I mean, it just is the worst. I don't want to see that ever for anybody. I don't care who you are. I just losing your job because of a layoff. If it's a job performance, that's not good either, but at least it's somewhat more understandable, and if people get laid off, it's just brutal. And we've experienced that here I mean, close, close friends in the business have lost work, and it's obviously very bothersome, as I'm sure it is to you, Aaron. What is the commitment from the organization above you to make sure staffing stays at the need that it needs to be? I mean, that's, you know, there are, you know, I'm not in in a position, frankly, well above my pay grade to to promise those types of things, but but I'll go back and say again, I mean, I'm I'm not coming back to this if I don't feel that we are in a a not only a a stable position but a, but a position now to to turn that stability into into growth. And um, I I believe that you know the 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 this, this the way the city and the state are growing, um, the way that we are reshaping the product and and you know the the, the the sort of leadership we have with with Lauren Gustus, the uh, you know our our editor, executive editor, coming in and, and taking charge, um, we are we are in a very good position, and I feel very very safe right now. And I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke. I I feel very good about that. Um, you know, I when will we be able to grow staff? Uh, that I don't know, but that that's my goal. My goal would be 
I, I have much more of a uh, my my sights on being able to grow than than reduce at this point. No, that's good news. That's good to hear. I hope you can accomplish that. You know, Lauren was here uh, previously in her career and was a beat writer covering Utah basketball in the Ray Jacoletti era, so roughly 15 years ago, give or take a little bit. And I'm curious now if uh, you think college basketball is still a big deal in this town or not. You know, um, it's it's tough to say. You know, I I don't think that it's it's the deal that it once was, um, and and you know maybe that comes back with with the the right right season or right right team, whether it's in BYU or or at the U. Um, but we're we're still committed to that, and, and our Utah writer Josh Newman, who's um, New York guy, who's been here for for you know I think he got here just before the pandemic hit. Um, he is a, a college hoops head and, and loves it. And, and so I think even if I, uh, even if I felt differently, he would, he would be, um, covering the running youths, you know, aggressively and, and thoroughly. So, um, uh, you know, we, we, we will be doing those things. I, to me, I personally, I, I feel like it, it's, it's fallen off and I would love to see it come back again. I mean, passionate fan base is good for, for them, it's good for us. It's good for you guys. Yep. <laughs> um, would would love would love to see that. Now, as I as I'm just speaking candidly, have not seeing that currently. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is probably maybe more minutia than our listenership wants, but we've seen the evolution of journalism just be exactly that, and it's changed dramatically. And all games are on television now. And so forth. And so growing up in the business, you know, you were told there's only like one or two people that can offer opinions slash analysis. The rest of them have to play it down the middle and all that stuff and just report on what happens. What do you see as possibly changing away from that and getting maybe a beat writer to be evolved in more as analysis slash opinion on what he or she sees when she goes or he goes and covers events? Yeah, I, I, I was just talking to, to Gordon Monson on the phone about that yesterday, and um, you know, he—that's he, how he felt. He said he—he he, he was like, Aaron, I might be, uh, you know, phasing out my my own job here, but but I I he firmly believes that the beat writers should be able to to do those things, and and you know what, they are they are starting to do those things, and and we're seeing that across, um, you know all outlets and, and that idea of, of just sort of, you know, writing everything down the middle is, is, is going away. And that's not to say that, that everyone has to, to be um, the columnist that, that Gordon is and, and that everything is, is, um, you know, an, an opinion, but I, I would want our writers to feel um, confident in, in doing that and, and to feel that they have the expertise to, you know, to analyze the thing that they are watching more than, frankly, just about anybody else. I mean, and we're seeing that a lot with with Andy Larson, who is a guy um, who you know has a skill set that that might not have gotten hired at the Tribune a uh, uh, number of years ago. Not a traditional journalism background, but but certainly someone who is analytical in in his thought process and, and in his writing, um, and is is willing to do that. And, and you know, we. I, I frankly love to see that. I love to see everybody um, using their expertise to to lay out, you know, whether uh, th- their position. And, and again, like I said, not not in a traditional columnist sense, but an analyst 
analysis should be part of part of the job. Absolutely. So I think it's just about letting that show up in stories because everybody's on Twitter and certainly you can check Andy's Twitter feed and he's telling Quinn when to sub and when not to sub and why to sub this guy or sub that guy. I mean, opinion is is already there. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you think there's a, um, a difference between those things, I mean, every every tweet from our reporters, for better or worse, represents uh, our reporters and, and the Salt Lake Tribune and, and maybe there are some conversations to be had uh, in on that regard. But... Um, yeah, like you, you would be an absolute fool to think that you know you can voice opinion on Twitter, but as soon as as soon as you start writing for the website, that goes away. If you've already voiced opinion, you have voiced opinion in the public sphere. So you think I got a shot to replace you on the job you just left? Um, absolutely. You want a reference? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, this radio thing is kind of dying for me. So uh, you know. <laughs> You know, you could you could probably wrap up the show and then head over to the Zions Bank basketball campus, clock in. Um, I'm lucky they still keep me employed at this. Yeah, you got you guys are, are uh, you guys do a great job. We um, you know, and, and I I always um, having been part of LHM and then now the Smith or Smith Entertainment Group before moving back to the trip. I mean. The, the zone and, and everybody there was always um, great to me. And, uh, you know, it's cool to hear that you guys are, are thriving. And, and frankly, you know, like in, in, a, in, in this media market, to me, it's, I, I'm not trying to like, I, I don't see this as, as newspaper wars or media wars or, or, you know, what I'd love to see is, is someone um, struggle so that we can thrive. I, I think there's room in this market for all of us to thrive and, and everyone should just be, trying to to find their lane and, and their angle and, and to feel a little different and and um, you know that, that we're, we're lucky that we have passionate fans um, in in a market this size for with the sports teams and, and the success that we've had and, and there's room for all of us and so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you guys and I'm, and I'm excited to get going back on the trip before I let you go you used to uh, you did the podcast with Joe and Renee Ingalls uh, I assume that's over and if so how much are you gonna miss it yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm assuming that's over too. I haven't necessarily fully discussed that, um, but no, I'll, I'll, I'll miss that. And and it was just, um, you know, just on a on a personal note, very cool to um, have those two people welcome us in, into their home um, and and you know open up and and um, and. Just to see how much Renee, how how good Renee is at, at running running something like that, and how much she cared um, to have you know Joe uh, open up to us that way as he does with you guys on on his weekly spot um, was was super cool and and you know we did a lot of that um, during during the pandemic so it was at a time when you know everyone we personally feel a little a little isolated and and just to be able to have that interaction with people and be able to discuss those things was. Um, was really, really welcomed. And, uh, yeah, if, if that's the end, I'll definitely miss that, but, um, uh, we'll be, uh, following them. I'm sure they will keep going with maybe JP Chunga, who's, uh, the, the producer and does a great job over at, uh, utahjazz.com with his, with his podcast, round ball roundup and whatnot. So, um, I'm, I'm sure that will, that will continue to live on some level. Well, Aaron, good luck with the new job, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be reading. We'll be following you on Twitter. We'll see how, see where this goes. The brave new world. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, it goes to a subscription, David. I'll, I'll be 
That's all I'm asking. Don't make, don't make me break any kneecaps. Apparently, you have not done the full research. Because as I told PK once, my wife, having gone to Medell and been a newspaper writer, he said, how long are you going to have the trip? And I said, until the trip dies or she dies. <laughs> that's, that's a well, non-negotiable. I hope for well, neither. Right, exactly. Yeah, let's, let's, it's let's, non-negotiable. Let's revisit this in, uh, in you know, 75 more years, DJ. Let's yeah. keep going. The reason, yeah. the reason it doesn't hit our driveway seven days a week is because you're only printing it one day a week. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's why that changed. So. All right. Well, hey, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And tell your wife thank you. Okay, I will do that. All right. All right. Thanks. Take care, guys. All right. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim LaCombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah staff member, is going to join us next to put a wrap on the season. Where do the Jazz go from here? Roster moves he thinks are necessary. We will get to that with Tim LaCombe next. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Brought to you apart by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. That's Ozzy Osbourne. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Also rock star. That was Tim you just heard right there. Oh, that was Ozzy. Tim, how are you? Uh, good morning, y'all. How are you today? <laughs> Do you paint your fingernails black? Yeah, and my eyelashes. <laughs> Probably Dave, black. Dave Rose saw you in concert, and he told me, and he was absolutely serious when he said this. He said, you got to see him. He takes on the whole persona. You could just hear in his voice, like, I've watched a lot of basketball games with this guy. I've watched film of opponents. I've watched, you know, 16-year-old stars who wanted to recruit. And it just blew his mind, this persona that you don't have when you're watching basketball, that you do have when you step on stage. And he was 100% genuine. You know, it's crazy, man. Like, I met these guys. It was a high school deal. Uh, we, I, I moved to Texas and... You know, trying to connect with buddies and end up finding these guys. We we start a band way back then, and you know, time goes on, but we've all kind of maintained a friendship. And over the years, um, not been able to get together very much. But when we have, it's like riding a bike. And uh, you know, we're gonna actually play Utah here in a couple of weeks. Um, I was all worried that the you know, the championship round would conflict and how I would handle that, but I don't need to worry about that anymore. Are you I think surprised that, uh, that my you schedule don't... just freed up. Are you surprised that you don't need to worry about that now? Um, 
You know, there's parts of me that are, uh, but I when I watched that game last night, um, you know, the it is just so difficult to you know plan winning a championship. I think that a uh, a huge part of it is is there, there's obviously a lot of uh, of skill and there's a lot of uh, things that you have to do. Like Aiden had to go make that play last night to give him the two zero lead, and Monty Williams had to draw it up, and you know Book had to back pick, you know, uh, set a back pick as a decoy. I mean, there's so many things that have to go into it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of good fortune too, and um, you know the Jazz had good fortune health wise all year long. Um, you know, they did not lose because of their health. I, I want to say that because they were playing a team that uh, obviously their best player wasn't playing. So I think at the end of the day, what, what happened is the Jazz just, you know, for whatever reason, hit a very, very rough spot, a spot where the ball wasn't um, always kind of going in the way it was in some cases. And in other cases, you know, the defense, which was something that they relied on quite a bit during the season, really just kind of, for whatever reason, the Clippers kind of found the way to attack the Jazz that um, that was real that they were real susceptible. I saw it all year long, you know, when teams spread them out and drove them, and um, it was really difficult for them. So, just some things that you know you got to look forward as you look forward to build and add pieces. I think that's where you look. So, what are you prioritizing? Bigger guards. Uh, another really athletic forward with some size because Royce, Royce has taken the best score on the other team, but he's 6'4", so sometimes he's given up four or five inches. A lot of times he is. Uh, or, or you want a, a small ball center who can protect the rim and yet run around like crazy and defend on the perimeter. You know, it's, it's crazy, but... Um... You know, I think I think they could use a little bit of any of those, and so I think you end up getting best player available. Um, you know, the the intriguing to me is is a four man, or excuse me, a big man that can that you can play small ball with because I think we're seeing it right. That's the future of the game. Uh, so I, I think that the I think any of those. I think you know you you won't go wrong if you pick an athletic guard. You know, a defensive-minded guy um, or a big that can help stretch the floor. I, I feel like that, you know, somebody that Quinn certainly has confidence in to be able to put in the, in the role would be the most important thing. And whether you get that, you know, via trade, free agency, uh, or the draft, I mean, I think that that's – I think you guys hit it on the head, a couple of the positions that this team needs. And more importantly, you know, it's always interesting because it happened to us many times where, you know, there's a certain point in the season where you feel like, dang, we're pretty deep. You know, we got a, we got a deep team here. We can play a lot of different guys. And then when it comes right down to it, you realize that some of that was a smokescreen. And that was the part that really kind of fascinated me more than anything is the Jazz bench was – they were great all year long. And, and, and to be fair, you know, with Mike playing – or Mike not playing the majority – of that Clippers series, uh, you know, bummed Joe up into the starting lineup, which took a weapon off the bench. Um, but, man, the Jazz bench got really, really thin. And by really thin, I mean, you know, outside of Clarkson, very, very little input on the offensive end 
at all. And uh, it's just hard when you don't have the weapons to be able to roll out there and the numbers to be able to roll out there. Um, that really, at the end of the day, that hurt them. Yeah, that, that, to me, that, that absolutely that is interesting because you look at the Clippers and they had guys, and obviously Terrence Mann is the classic example, who played way above what their expected ability was. And I don't think the Jazz had anybody who played above what their expected ability was. You know, I know that Mitchell was sensational, but for me personally, I expect that out of him. So there's very little that he can do to surprise me because I think he's just that good. What can the Jazz do to maybe get that as far as going forward is to get guys who can be a little bit better than they have been because the argument, and I know it's tough to say, but there were guys in the postseason who played worse than they did in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Not not just worse, but like way worse, right? Um, and, and that was the other piece of watching the game last night. Cameron Payne, a guy who was playing with Jimmer in China, um, scores 29 points last night. And, and that's what you have to have. You're, you know, Donovan did his job. He certainly he raised his level, you know, from, from regular season. Once again, we saw it in the bubble last year, but Donovan's a bona fide superstar. I mean, the way he can raise his level and now it's just being able to get dudes surrounding him that can do the same thing. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, Cameron Payne certainly is receiving great coaching, you know, and has his whole life. But the the inner fire that you know to had him go to China, continue to chase a dream, and then come back here, um, you know, there's there's a lot of unique stories, and so I think that's really what it comes down to is surrounding your main guys with a whole bunch of weapons, and uh, you saw what it does when you've got a, a complement of Joe and Clarkson coming off the bench, uh, and then Niang had a, I thought Niang had a really good season, and then. Just totally. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the reasoning or whatever, but just totally, you know, went um, completely silent in the playoffs. And I, I mean, I think that that really, those types of things, and not having enough guys, you know, contributing, that really hurt um, the Jazz chances as as the playoff kind of wound down. I'm surprised you dismiss injury as quickly as you did because I think a lot of the bench problems are with Mike out. I mean, they had four players on the bench with Mike out. Joe goes into the starting lineup. Now they got three guys on the bench. And yeah. No, no, no. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess my thing, I never wanted to blame injury for because at the end of the day, it's a variable. And if if it was only exclusive, mutually exclusive to you, then that's one thing. But, you know, the league is dealing with a rash of injury and in the very team you're playing their best player and perhaps one of the top five players in the league was out. Yes, um, that's all true. I so, agree with that. I, I so guess the, the thing is I that that's why I guess the thing is if you're in the jazz front office, which you and I aren't, but if we were and we try to put ourselves in their shoes, if it's not about the injury, you better change the roster. But yeah, if the injury right. did do it, then you better you better kind of stay the same status quo and run it back again and give them a yeah. chance to do it if the injury was the only thing separating them from doing it. Yeah, and, and you make a great point. I mean, I, I guess I was not putting myself in their shoes. I was holding the phone up to my ear talking <laughs> to two guys in Salt Lake. So you're right. Um, but, no, but I, but I mean, as a, a holistically, yeah, I mean, the injuries were just terribly timed. And, 
Um, but if you you know if you're going to say that, you've got to admit that the reason the Jazz had the number one seed and were the best team in the league the majority of the years they they were able to avert all that stuff yeah. um, for the most part. So it, it is a yeah, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to think what if you know if everybody would have been healthy. Um, but that's the uh, again the difficulty in winning a championship. You have to overcome so many obstacles that. You know, when you start out on your journey, you don't even know exist. You think they need to have an, a, line, a lineup where they can have five dependable three-point shooters? I don't think it would hurt. Um, you know, to be able to do that, uh, real, realistically, it would be the minutes Gobert is not playing because, you know, uh, he's going to play his minutes. And, and I think... But yeah, I think uh, you know. I when, I almost wondered AAC is not the answer, you know, right now or, or going forward. But I thought it would be interesting. You know, there were times during the season when uh, I was. I remember one particular game against the Lakers where Billy Sobo was really good. Actually, did a nice job defensively. Moved his feet. The Jazz did kind of play a smaller lineup, and then on offense, he was just able to kind of help space and make threes. Um, but so somebody like that, you know, that's not as down the road in their career. Uh, the one thing I've been really impressed with with this organization, this ownership, uh, to this point, and and then obviously the the front office, they do a great job of finding guys a that fit, um, and then you know they find like the Royce O'Neal find was was phenomenal. You know, I always thought the world of George Niang as a college player. Uh, I thought he was just an instant bucket. And, you know, the fact that he ended up. Uh, but, you know, that's that's where they've got to, I guess that's where they've got to find some of that depth. The, the salary situation right now, obviously, they're up against it. Um, you know, free agency will be interesting for the first time, uh, you know, with Dwayne Wade here and see what kind of impact that makes. But um, I'm with you. I don't think you scrap everything. I think there's there's plenty to build around, but. Uh, athletic wings that don't mind guarding, like defense. Um, you know, guys that certainly can shoot the three ball, and then you know, a, a smaller, big guy who's got some skill and ability to shoot a perimeter shot to keep people honest. So as long as we're playing woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, I'm curious if you think if the Clippers would have won the series, all the injuries everybody had, that that all stays the same. It's just one of those mm-hmm. things that happens, so you got to deal with it. But if the Clippers had not signed Batum after Charlotte dumped him in his contract, stretched it and let him go or whatever, and then the Reggie Jackson buyout in Detroit, if they don't have those two guys, do the oh, Clippers yeah. win the series? I don't think so because those guys were huge. You know, you go back and look what Jackson, Batum, uh, and Kennard, who Kennard was again really good last night uh, in that game against Phoenix. They they made some very very good moves. They they added some some layers to their team, some depth to their team. But no, I, I think you saw the pivotal plays and, and shots that Jackson and Batum particularly made in that series. I don't think they do. You know, especially with Kawhi being out, uh, they were really able to kind of change. They were kind of able to change their approach on the fly. And they were, you know, and, and and were able actually to to find some mileage out of it. So I think that 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 was 
brilliant move by them. But again, it's flip a coin. Sometimes, you know, you, you take a, a chance on an older guy like Batum and it ends up, you know, kind of flaring out on you. So, so much of that is just, again, positive, positive stuff to look back on. And you got to give the Clippers a lot of credit for making the moves they did. What do they do with Conley? Uh, I love him. Um, I just don't know. I think that some. I'm I'm curious to know what Conley wants to do. Yeah, you know, I right. think that's always huge. Uh, but I would have to think that these have been positive years for him in terms of the way he's received and the way he's treated. Um, you know, I've never met Mike, but I know that there's a great relationship there with uh, with ownership. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of money you throw at him. I guess that's why. You know, now I'm just a logistics guy and a part-time radio dude because I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, cert- I I will say this. I thought Mike answered the bell after a very disappointing season, and it would have been easy making the amount of money he, he was making to just kind of like ride it out. But I, Mike had one of the best years of his career, and that says a lot. You know, he's had a great career. Made the All-Star game, you know, finally, you know, deserving of that. Um, how does he fit, you know, what kind of, uh, red flags pop up, you know, from a health standpoint, because you do really, you know, when you sign these guys, you count on them, you need them. Um, nothing that, you know, happened was something that Mike loved. I mean, he, Mike hates sitting there. Uh, but I think that's all the stuff you've got away. I mean, if there's a way to keep him around and it makes sense, I think continuity is a good thing. And I think that that's something Dennis has talked about, you know, continuity is important to this organization. Um, you know, and if Mike can continue to play at the level he played at this year, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but that nagging injury and some of that stuff, that that would just make it really hard for me to settle on a number. Um, and, you know, that's, that's going to be something where I think relationship will drive that. And if everybody has enough care about, you know, which they do, everybody looks at each other and cares about them, then I think it's just got to be, hey, what's what's honestly the very best thing we could do for you, for us? And, you know, that's where I think that thing, that decision will be made. But what you said first is really important. What does he want? You know? Yeah. He's a free agent, yeah, and he want. said, he made a point of saying in his exit interview, you know, this is the first time I've been a free agent. And so... If the Lakers or the Clippers or the Suns or whoever, the Warriors, I don't know, whoever comes calling, what does he think? And I don't know that any of us know the answer to that. Yep, and because I think, again, he's got to weigh a lot of different things, you know. The money, the opportunity, the ability to win, the ability to be comfortable. I mean, he came here last year and had, you know, for his standard, a very poor year. Um, you know, and that's not anything that, you know, that, that's something Mike would say. He just had a difficult year adjusting, but man, what a, what a bounce back year. Um, but all that stuff, you know, Mike's got to weigh it. He's got to weigh how much somebody to pay me. What's my opportunity to play? What's my opportunity to win? And is it any better than here? And that's where you start to say, okay, what if they offer less money? I don't know. I, I mean, that's, it's a fascinating, it'll be a fascinating process for sure. Um, one that we probably won't get a lot of exposure to, but at the end of the day, uh, I think we'll be able to tell kind of what happened by the choice he makes or, or the choice he has to make.
Tim, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. It's been a fun year, guys. Um, July 9th and 10th. If you guys aren't there, the friendship's over. So <laughs> I would recommend you get online and get tickets because I ain't taking no for an answer from you two. What's the venue? Where are you going? We're playing the Valor in Provo. Uh, July 9th and 10th, back-to-back nights. We wanted to do the rock star thing where play one night. Yeah. You know, go get something to eat, take a nap, wake up the next day and do it again. Are so, they yeah. available at the door? Uh, they won't be for you. You have to actually make an effort to get some. Uh, but everybody else, yeah, there'll be some. If I door. drive down there and show up, that's what's called an effort. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need to make a plan. <laughs> Uh, but numbers, early numbers are good. We're, we are close to a sellout both nights, so it should be very fun. All right, there it is. Tim, and, we... and I just marketed as friend of PK, PK and DJ, um, and man, ticket sales have been crazy, so nice. thank you guys. <laughs> All right. All right, Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Bye. When we come back, it's Win Ticket Wednesday. You'll be trying to win free tickets. We'll tell you all about that next. Stay with us. Win Tickets Wednesday is back on the zone. The Bees start a six-game homestand against the Las Vegas Aviators tomorrow night at Smith's Ballpark. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now at slbs.com. we got four tickets to give away. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call now to win tickets Wednesday. If you don't win now, listen later in the day. Scotty G and Hans will have tickets coming up. And I'm on the big show, too, with Gordon and Jake. So you have been pondering jazz roster moves. Where do they need to improve? And I've been, I saw you writing some stuff down as Tim was talking. You're thinking. You're mulling it over. Yeah, it's interesting because what happened during the course of the regular season didn't happen in the postseason. And so what you need to do is create a situation where it does happen and maybe even happens a little bit better. That didn't happen. I'm not following the Clippers to the level that we follow the Jazz, but I'm guessing Terrence Mann isn't going for 39 (laughs) in the regular season, right? Right. Neither is Cameron Payne going for 29. They found ways to get better and get higher production from role players. So, I mean, I can't criticize Donovan Mitchell in the least. Zero. I got nothing for you. Uh, so. I think it's it's not even so much the negative. It's that in two playoff series, especially after he crashed into Paul, or after Paul George crashed into him at the end of game two of the second round, he clearly was not 100% in the last four games. And for him still to be running around there going for 39-9-9? I don't think he needed to be 100%, so that doesn't matter to me. I get that, okay. But if he, when he is 100%, I think he's going to have another 50-point playoff game. Okay, maybe so. Maybe so. Does he cover up some of these flaws if he's healthy? Do they win a game with all the issues uh, I don't and, think so. and defense and everything. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. I think he's that good as is, as was. Right, so, but there's still another gear to yeah, get to. Yeah, but I to. can't I, that, but he's going to get to that level and I he's agree. 24 years old. I agree. So I don't want to see but I don't want to count on that because 
that. Okay, I see where you're I going with I want to improve my team, yes. not just sit back. Well, Donovan's going to be healthy, and he's going to be better. 100%. So that makes me a little nervous. But I do think going forward, you should look for him to be right. blow your mind Which awesome. is why I want to get all other these guys other fixed. so I take all advantage of fixed. his awesomeness. Yes. So there's two scenarios here because Conley's a free agent, so he's going to have a say, no matter what the Jazz do. I mean, they can offer him, you know, 20 million bucks a year the for Jazz two or three years. want him back, he's coming. You think? Yeah. I'm not that sure of that. He's but not that stupid. I'd like to think you're right. No, he's not that stupid. If they want him back, he's But does he back. look at another roster? Not the rosters as they are now, but the rosters no. as they will name, be. With name the another roster. No. Lakers. No. <laughs> I mean, we know the teams. Lakers, Clippers, Suns, no. Warriors. No. He'd rather be here than there. If the Jazz want him back at the price that they want him back at. Now, money talks. So he can get money right, elsewhere. But all these other teams want are going to be it. capped out. And are going to be offering him a mid-level exception. So they can blow by that number. Now there'll be some back and forth, and I don't know what the number will be. you know. But whatever, the Jazz are going to be able to offer him more. My, my goodness, Dave, they made a big deal that he couldn't drive the same route, and it took him to freaking April to get over that. And he may so not now you're going to move him again. to Los Angeles? He may. <laughs> He's going to get lost. He's going to get stuck in traffic. No, he's, he's probably going to get in an accident because there's a bunch of crazy drivers. And I know we got crazy drivers, but they just have more of them. True story. And I would have moved stuck he's, in traffic up to number one. And he's a family dude, so uh, for a 7 o'clock game, you got to leave at 1 o'clock. Yep. All so the lifestyle no. stuff is true. No. If they want him back, he's coming back. There's no way he wants to go through the personal trauma of having to find a different route to the arena. Do you realize how difficult that was? A, no. B, that wasn't him and you know it. <laughs> what are you talking? You, you That's never, what we heard. I know, but we didn't hear from him. Well, he's not going to whine about, gosh, my goodness, I mean, this route. All right, I don't even want to talk about the route. And just, <laughs> but they made it a big deal. I read it. I heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, I was doing the show from home for over a year. The first morning I had to drive back to the arena to do the show, it was traumatic. I know it was. Now, where do I park? <laughs> 100 South PK, right by the statues. <laughs> well, things change. You're not parking down the back anymore? Nope. Right, everything south. has changed. 100 South by the statues. I mean, you looked way older from when I last saw you. Yeah. Oh, year. <laughs> COVID wore on him. It did, actually. <laughs> All right. So then the number one, we got to give some people something this other than whatever that. Non- no, that I, was nonsense. Well, uh, that's what I give them. <laughs> <laughs> I already told you, if they want him back, he's coming back. Okay. We'll hit the rest of it when we come back. Okay, because I think of the three things I threw at Tim, I think there's one that clearly has to happen. Okay. It has to. And the others need to. I get that. But one has to. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union, Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, we were talking with Tim Lacombe about potential roster changes. Did the Jazz need a bigger guard? Did the Jazz need a backup center who can take them to uh, take them into small ball when Rudy sits down? And... What about a uh, a forward with more size? And I think PK of all the things, 
prioritizing that one. The what? forward with more size. Someone six seven, six eight, long arms, can defend people, move out there. You're asking Royce to do it at six four. And you're also asking him, you know, depending on who the player is, if you're playing Phoenix, he's not so much worried about, you know, taking a a bigger forward as he is, you know, chasing Devin Booker around. So his assignment changes by the night, but I think they need someone with some more size to slide into that rotation. And I get that it depends on who's available and it takes two to make a trade and you want to find somebody who's coming back from China the way Cameron Payne was or Europe for like Joe Ingles, you may or may not have competition for him. You may be able to get whoever you want. You may have to compete for him. So I get there's all these variables, but just in the abstract, that's the position I'm most interested in seeing them upgrade. Reaction. Somebody who is uh, more uh, aligned uh, defensively and has some better lateral quickness. Yeah. And hopefully you can bring the three-point shooting along. You don't want to revert back to where they were when they had two non-shooters out there and they're playing three on five. But if you're not 6'8 and you can't move laterally and you don't have long arms, coaching staff can't help you. So you want Trevor Ariza? Well, a younger Trevor Ariza, yes. I don't know that Trevor Ariza now would be the answer. Maybe it would be. Yeah, but that's who you're going to get. You're not going to get somebody on the come. You're going to get somebody on the downside. I do think that one thing we saw with the Clippers is they didn't add guys in their 20s with upside. I mean, they went out and got guys as is. What can you do for me now? Their roster, you look at their roster, their roster is full of 31 and 32-year-old guys. The veterans who are ready to win now. That's what I'm saying. So that's who you're going to get. You're not going to get younger. You're going to get somebody at the back end and hope he's got enough to be able to help you. Ariza is about to turn 36. Okay. Yeah. He's about to turn 36. Chris Paul is 36. Yep. <laughs> LeBron is 36. So, and that's just the name that just came off the top of my head. Uh but I think that's the type of player you're talking about. And you're not going to get somebody who's blossoming. What, a young Paul George? Unless you give up. Yeah, that'd be great. Right. I'd take Paul himself. Uh, but to me, you're not gonna available. Get, you can get somebody who has been around the league and is looking to win. What you're, basically, you want what Conley now is going to have the opportunity to decide. A different type of player. But... He has been in the league for a number of years, knows what it's all about, so now he figures it out, and okay, here's where I fit in, blah, blah, blah. And so that team that gets him knows what they're getting, and uh, they go and they're looking for him to be help fill in a, a hole, whatever deficiency that particular team has. You've defined a deficiency. I don't have any problem with that. Now go ahead and get it. As I look at it, first instinct says you're, you're probably going to get a veteran. This team is built to win, desiring to win now. Yes. So I don't want somebody who's going to help in two years. The NBA draft, uh, I'm going to play pickleball that night. I'm not even paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) You're not interested in who they get at 30. (laughs) I just don't think there's any young player out there right now who can help you. The next Terrence Mann. Now, obviously for them it's important, and there's guys out there, but I don't know. You take a look at uh, Cameron Payne who you just spoke of, uh, Reggie Jackson. You know, they picked him, uh, Clippers picked him up on the waiver wire, the buyout, not this most recent, but the year before. 
Uh, so then he 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 was a little bit of a veteran. So maybe that's not a good example. But I, I my mindset is that okay, I draft guys because I have an asset and I have an opportunity to draft guys. So certainly you put in the due diligence and you work out people and you do all the stuff that they're doing because you never know and it's important. But in terms of next season, I'm not looking for some kid to come in and help. I'm looking for some veterans. I want to try to win now, get on top of it now. Because, and I'm disappointed, obviously, we all are, and I thought they had an excellent chance, and I'm surprised we're sitting here and we're not talking about game two last night. And really, it just totally bugs the crap out of me that we're not (laughs) doing it. Uh, But I do think that the same feeling I had as we approach the playoff, I expect that to be the similar, if not even more, next season. So I'm in my mindset is put all your chips in now and try to do it next season. I mean, you didn't get it done this year. Things happened. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have this opportunity again next year because I believe they will. And so continuity, as Dennis Lindsay said, is important. And Joe said that they don't need to blow it up. And I, I agree 100%. But they do need more, and they know that. And there's no team ever that just brings back everybody uh, and continues from one year to the next. And usually there's some form of change. And th- they know that. And, and, and I think that it's going to be an easier sell for multiple reasons is that you're not asking someone to come in and be a star. So that's the, the, what you need isn't the, the great need. So it's easier to fill the lesser need than the greater need, obviously. Second of all, this te- whoever you get, they're going to see what is there. And you're, look, man, we got a great team. And you know, help us here. And so they'll provide them with the money, of course. And so they'll get that. So I think next year will be better. I think when they take the court and resume, if they go back on the regular schedule and we have media day the last Tuesday or Wednesday of September, that the team, on paper anyway, will be better than the team that ended the other night. I think they still have to, we don't, but they do, they still got to focus on the young guys, the draft. You got a 15 man roster and you've got two way players. So it doesn't have to be an either or. They need veterans to fill spots 9, 10, 11 on the roster. But beyond that, go with young guys. Now, maybe you go with the young guys who are already in the system and you think they're going to develop. Those guys aren't going to make a difference. And if you don't, well, if they develop, they do. I mean, at one point, Royce Royce O'Neal was one of those guys, and then he developed. Yeah, but they weren't in, right, but at that time, they weren't in win-now mode, so they could allow him to develop. Develop, take your time, Royce, and get better, because we're not in it to win it right now. Right now, they are. Next season, they're in to win now. Yes, I agree. So, they don't have time to develop a Royce O'Neal at the level that they did. Now, certainly that's why you pay attention to the draft and the free agency and all that stuff because tomorrow is going to turn into three years from now. So I get all that. I'm not blowing off that. But that's not my number one urgency. My number one urgency, number one is, urgency is bring in someone, someone who's yeah. late twenties, early thirties, and ready to win now. Yes. The way they brought in Bogdanovich. Yes. And the way the Clippers brought in any of their guys who are between twenty eight and thirty three. Yes. Because that's a sweet spot for winning deep in the playoffs. And especially if you bring back Conley and Joe's under contract, they're thirty four. Yeah. 
And what's bogey, 32? So time is now. Now. Man, right now. So draft who you draft, and maybe you get lucky and develop guys or sign some dudes out of Europe or wherever it might be, and they develop that. That's all well and good. I'm all for it. But my number one. But it's priority, probably not number one path to improving no, next no, year. No, it's improving the roster. Uh, you know, proverbially, proverbially basketball wise, any means necessary. Bogey is thirty two now and will be thirty three at the end of the regular season next year. He's got an April eighteenth birthday, which is generally once we get back on a regular calendar next year, hopefully. Yeah, that's right at the end. Yeah, then he will be turning thirty three just as the playoffs start. Yeah, so it's I, now. I don't know that they have. Time with this group. Well, to it's the, the the thing about Mitchell and Gobert. Now they're a little different as far as being a little further apart in age than Stockton and Malone. But you look at Stockton and Malone; they were at least three different eras of players, and maybe you chop it up a little more than that, depending on who you are. So, yes, there's this time now, and then you got to reload on the fly. And when you have two players that good, you ought to be able to reload on the fly and stay right in the mix. And that'll come. Right, it will. And I think it's coming. Sooner, not later. Oh, two or three years. I was going to go one or two. They've got the contracts kind of staggered, and so they can they can slow down the process by re-upping guys for another couple of years, and they can speed it up by letting guys walk and then trading the guys who have one year left on their deal. On any given summer, the way the contracts are staggered, they can do that. Yeah. So if they want to blow it up, they'll have the chance. And if they want to keep the band together, they'll have the chance. Well, I wouldn't say blow it up. That's not a phrase I would use. Okay, when I say that, I mean like four of the eight rotation guys are gone. Or four of the nine rotation guys. Okay, but on, with the statues, they didn't blow it up. Once they did. When, once you have those guys, you're not right. blowing it up. Okay, yes. So those two, like Stockton and Malone in 92, they go to the conference finals for the first time. Opening day of camp in 94, 18 months later... Benoit and Stockton Malone are the only three guys left. Right, but, I, but as so, long but as you it, got as long those Stockton guys. Malone, you're not saying it's blow it up. They blew up the rest of the roster. They turned over, in those days you had a 12-guy roster. So they turned over 75% of the team. Fine. But it isn't Stockton Malone. No. No. They, they got rid of Jefferson and Millsap. Now, they're not the statues, but they were their best players at the time. That's blowing it up. They went back to ground zero. Yeah, so they blew it up then. As long as you got these two dudes, you're not blowing it up because they'll go nuts, and that's not going to be a good look. And I don't care how tight Dwayne Wade is with Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell isn't going to like it. So, And then you're getting closer to him having uh, unrestricted free agency. So I, I don't believe they're blowing it up anytime soon. And that's a phrase that you hear in sports, but it's rarely, rarely done. You know, blow it up. The Florida Marlins did it. Uh, and the Bulls Fire six did yeah. it. But you don't you hardly ever see that. I the see, Mavericks, see gradual change. The Mavericks held on to Nowitzki. But they gutted the rest of the team. Yeah, but I don't see see, I don't think that they were thinking blow it up. They thought that they were getting better. Yeah, they got caught short though. And they did, obviously, but I don't think the mindset is we're gonna blow it up. That's not the sell that they I just had. think that with, all, with so much of the supporting cast being in their 30s, I think that it can change pretty quickly without getting a lot worse. And you've got Mitchell, and you've got Gobert anchoring it, and people are going to want to play with them, especially That's if the I'm money saying. is there and the shots are there. As quickly as next season, I believe they will be better 
when they start next season than when they ended this season. Everyone hopes you're right. And I don't know necessarily who all the additions or any, because it's probably not going to be all, I don't expect them to have three or four guys new in the rotation. But we saw that a few years back when they took the first steps when they added D.L. Johnson and George Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay, We literally saw that, and I can remember media day, it was over. I happened to be in the gym with Quinn Snyder, and he looks at me, boy, we sure gave you guys something to talk about this year. It's either going to be really good or it's not, and he smiled. Because what he was saying is, okay, we have to be a playoff team this year. And that's where they were in their progression. And they ended up being a playoff team that won a playoff series. Well, Now, those types, they got those three veterans. And I would take a George, I would take any of those three on the team next year. Not not literally those three, but those types of, of that players. Caliber, right? Yes. I think any of those types of three players will help you be better next year. Now there's a level, you know, I'd probably I would take a healthy George Hill number 1, Joe Johnson number 2 and then DL. No. Now Joe Johnson I put George. at number 2 cuz he was advanced in his age. Yeah. George Hill got hurt and didn't play in the playoffs and was replaced by Ricky Rubio who got hurt and didn't play in the playoffs, who's been replaced by Mike Conley who got hurt and they they could use a healthy point guard. Well, I'll just bring back John Stockton. <laughs> we know John Stockton is healthy. Darn, well, if he isn't, he won't tell us and he'll play anyway. No, he is healthy. He's got the right mindset towards health. Let me tell you about John Stockton. How old is Stockton now? Is I don't care. 58? He looks great. That'd be an awesome signing. That'd give people something to talk about. Why are you smiling each time I say John Stockton, Yock? Because he thinks you're talking about the vaccine. I'm not talking about no vaccine. I got the vaccine. You didn't ask what you were talking about. You said, why is he smiling? Well, he didn't talk. You talked in place of him. Let the man speak. Yak, did I read your mind? <laughs> you got it pretty good. No. Thank you, Yak. That was off of our topic yesterday. I got the vax. Good job. I'm, I went to the max. I got the vax. My arm may have been twisted a little bit, but I got it. Stock's 59. He'll be 60 by the time the playoffs start next year. So I totally think that'll bring him back. 60-year-old NBA player. Let's go. (laughs) Move over, Tom Brady. This is how it's done. And what did Tom Brady said? You were going to keep that birthing person bleep? (laughs) Yep. Because we don't say mother anymore. He dropped a big combo. Yeah. And now everybody wants to know what team it was. Niners? Titans? Saints, other. It's a multiple well, it choice. Been, it wouldn't have been the Saints, would it? What, Drew Brees? He said something once about Manning being done, and they had to call Manning and apologize. Would he have said something about Brees? Was he so stunned that the Saints stuck with Brees when they could have had him and won the Super Bowl? So you Bowl? have Drew Brees, and you get older. But you get better. I love me some Drew Brees, but Brady's better. Yeah, but there's no way he was. He's Mister New Orleans. There's no way they could have done that. That's so. why I listed him three. No, most but, people but think it was no the Niners. Way Brady would have said that about. So it's the Niners. If you or want to Titans. go to the hometown team, yeah. uh, he, sure. He grew up in the Bay Area. We all seen the video of him at the yeah. Niners playoff game with the Joe Montana jersey. But there's no way it would have been the Saints. That's too much disrespect for Drew Brees for a Hall of Fame dude. No, there's Jimmy G, his former teammate. Uh, yeah, because it did seem like, uh, I don't know this, but it did seem like Brady has a little bit of Brett Favre in him. I'm not going to train that guy. I'm not going to teach him. <laughs> he's, he's my competition. 
I mean, forget him. That's your job, not my job. So possibly then, but I don't really have any idea. You can speculate uh, on which teams on that situation, but I would have been shocked if it would have been New Orleans. But I like that attitude, though. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I think that's the type of attitude you have to have. I think Mitchell has that attitude. You have to be 100% fearless. You have to be cocky. You have to be outrageous. You have to be all those things, man. Well, I, I think he is because I don't see how you go for 39-9-9. I on know he one, is. On one leg when you can't jump and he land on he it. He didn't need to jump, though. I think we're blowing that up. No. He went for 39. He didn't need it. He's got the fifth highest scoring average of all time. You're telling me he's the best player ever if he had a healthy ankle? No. No to you. They lost the game. He could have used one more move, and would he have gone for 50 if he had it? You're making it up. Could he have gone for 60? Why do you go 50? It's a nice round number. Why not 60? Why not 70? Devin Booker went for 70. Where does it end? He's top 10, top 5 all time with a scoring average. What more did he need? Now, certainly he wants to have that. I get all that, but I don't necessarily know that he needed it because he compensated for it. He went for 39, 9, and 9. Is that what you're telling me? Mm-hmm. Every single game. For the rest <laughs> of his life, he'll take that. True story. But nevertheless, but the rest of his life, him. he will do more. He will have bigger games than that. And that's an enormous game on one leg. Oh, see, that's where I think you're overstating. <laughs> he was not. You're on so one. jealous he that was I overstated something. One you leg. Don't get to. He wasn't one leg. He couldn't land on the other leg. He that's didn't a need huge to. Problem. He did. They lost. No, he didn't. No. Don't fall in love oh, with the stats. Oh, that's not. He's not the problem that they lost. You're pinning the loss I on agree. the fact that he had I, one leg. I agree. He's not the problem. But could even more awesomeness out of him overcome the other flaws? I mean, when you give Jordan's up 81 points and a half, you got all flaws. sorts of problems. No argument here. 81 is give a Give him three legs and it wasn't going to make a difference. <laughs> now you're getting into Space Jam territory. <laughs> Who's that character? There's going to have to be a character in Space Jam 2 that has three legs. It jumps out of the gym. Nobody jumps out of the gym. That when we nuts. come back, everything we talked about in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The second pick will be made by the Houston Rockets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Crowder waiting with it. Lobs it under. Yes! It's good. DeAndre Ayton scores the basket over the rim and in. DeAndre Ayton put it over the rim and in. Batum to get the ball at the baseline. He has it. He's going to throw it length of the court. He does. It is grabbed. And the game is over. Highlights from around the NBA, which really means the Western Conference Finals and an alley-oop to Ayton. The Valley-oop, PK says it's been christened. All made possible because 
Boogie Cousins didn't know where the basket was. I'm not calling him Boogie. You don't have to. I did. His name is Demarcus. The basket's over there, big guy. You need well, to take away the angle. Sure, and but Zubac should have slipped the screen. Well, it was an illegal moving screen, but they're not calling it at the end, and Booker knew it, so there's a big old body okay, block. Okay, but then be aware of it. I think, and I'd have to double-check the replay, but it looked like uh, he wasn't aware that the screen was coming because it was to me it was obvious they were going to run that. With that little time in a one-point game, why not? Why make a guy catch it and shoot it? First option, get it to the rim. Yeah. And now they're up 2-0. More, the Clippers are down 0-2 for the third straight series. Well, are we sure? Are we sure what? Yeah, that that game ended because I think they might be reviewing it. 90 seconds in a mere 33 minutes. That's ridiculous. On and on it went. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five reviews. If I'm Secaucus, I yeah, figure it out yourselves. <laughs> and I've been to Secaucus. I've walked the streets of Secaucus. We got some pizza here. Stop bothering us. Because if you allow them to review it, of course they're going to review it. Yeah. Don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, then it takes but, all the pressure off But of then them. they just keep looking at it and looking at it. I mean, how many times do you have to see the review? How many angles you got to see? And why get don't on the referees with it? do it? Why don't they just go sit down? I don't know. Have a chair for them <laughs> and get a drink. And then they do it. Because like in baseball, you don't see the umpires put the headphones on and then they just get the word. They get the word. Yeah. And but then they the come back while they're walking. They're leaned over at the waist. And they're they're looking, and it's almost like they're uh, wrestling referees to see if both shoulders are down. They're moving from side to side. It's so dramatic. And then they put the mic there and the little camera, and he comes out. Thus saith, jeez, <laughs> friggin' basketball game! My goodness. East game one tonight, Atlanta, Milwaukee, six thirty, the tip time on TNT. Atlanta's been in one conference final in 50 years and got swept. Milwaukee, two painful playoff exits in a row. Are they going to the finals, baby? They haven't been to the finals since uh, Kareem in 74. It's been a long time. Did they win it in 74? No, they lost to the Celtics. Oh, they did? I think in seven. Oh, they're both in the East. How could they play in the finals? Milwaukee was in the West at that point. No, Milwaukee is Milwaukee. It hasn't changed location. It's still right there. And yet they changed conferences. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's changing. In Milwaukee, you got the Brewers changing from the AL to the NL, and you got the Bucks changing from the West to the East. Well, all the disappointment that was shared and in experienced by John McLaughlin in 1974 <laughs> is now going to come full circle to joy and Bobby Dandridge is going to celebrate got any more or is that it oh sure I got more are you kidding me the Bucks I mean a little later I mean that was Majerus's team he used to talk about him all the time Junior Bridgman oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> I think Marcus Johnson still does the announcing for him. I think does. I don't know if it's TV or radio. I think it's TV. A Crenshaw High grad. Milwaukee, Chicago, and Detroit were all in the West in that era. So times have changed, PK. Where was Denver? Not in the NBA yet. Well, that's ridiculous. They should have put him in the NBA. Are you kidding me? 
Sorry about that. I feel bad for Dan Issel. <laughs> Got a whole bunch of new teams in the West. So the draft lottery happened. Detroit has the top pick. And I think the thing that matters for Jazz fans in the draft lottery, since Jazz obviously aren't involved, is if four of the top five picks go to the East, presumably the best young players will go to the East. Now, is this a really good draft class or not? Are there stars in it? But there shouldn't be really good players going to the West, although you never know because Kawhi Leonard slipped quite a bit. So maybe you get somebody, you get Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Well, the other guys were all between 10 and 20. Rudy was obviously 27. So You never know, man. The MVP this past season was what, early second? Second rounder. Yeah. yeah. But even with that, I still maintain my point for the Jazz is that they have to not look at development immediately. Over the course of the next three to five, those guys who are in charge, they're charged with that for sure. See, even Jokic took some time. Well, you got guys 13, 14, 15. You yeah. got the two-way spots. Those Plenty guys can work on places it. for them right. to develop talent. But, but you got to make league will start. I assume next season. I would think was yes. But guys, eight to your point, guys, eight, nine, ten, eleven on the roster. How much are they going to get out of those spots? Whether it's guys who are on the roster now or guys they bring in in the off season. Because we're seeing the best teams are able to go way down the roster. And make it happen. Or even, you know, if they believe that somebody, player X, Y, Z, whomever, is a potential developer, who's to say you couldn't get something for that kid now? It's a possibility. Yeah. Trade a young guy for an old team. An old guy. There's plenty of teams out there who are over the cap who might be looking to shed some salary. Now there's salary cap rules about what you can bring on and who you might have to give up. I don't know that those will work for the Jazz. Like a lot of teams, after you get the guy seven or eight, the Jazz aren't paying much money by NBA standards. Uh-huh. And there'll be free agents out there. The guy went off last night, Cameron Payne. His deal's up at the end of the year. Torrey Craig's deal is up at the end of the year. There's a couple free agents the Suns are looking at. So there will be people out on the market who'd be good rotation I'd take a player guys. player like Torrey Craig. Yeah. There'd be good rotation guys out on the market. Sort of a P.J. Tucker-like player. So who can you get for your veteran exception? I think they can get some players. Because I, I think players are going to jump at the opportunity to come here. I mean, look at what Donovan Mitchell did on a half of a leg. <laughs> half, of a leg. <laughs> half of a leg now. The legend grows. Yeah, it does. And four toes were cut. He's Rulon Gardner. <laughs> They're frozen. Lost one toe. But the other, four of them were frozen, man. Okay. They're playing in Staples Center where they play just, hockey, and they had some problems with the condensation. Just mixing and matching <laughs> all sorts of random stories. Hey, say, I played golf in Star Valley over the weekend. I mean, I'm thinking of Rulon Gardner. Sweet. <laughs> all right, there's the there's the two big NBA stories. You got your playoffs. Uh, you got your draft lottery. Took a lot of comments from people. What are you going to do now that the Jazz are out of the playoffs? You're still in the NBA playoffs. You switch over to Major League Baseball, RSL. You're all about you're all about Europe now. You got the European Soccer Championships. You got Wimbledon, and you got the British Open. You could just be the next month. You could be all European all the time. And 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 I want to tell you, 
I want to make sure that you know this. You're not going to watch the Euros or Wimbledon. I don't. Maybe the British uh, Open. Oh no! I can, oh no! I watch the British Open. Okay. And I can live with a little Wimbledon, but I ain't paying. You're going to watch Wimbledon? I said maybe a little limit Wimbledon. Didn't you hear me? Okay. I can't believe that. If I yeah the finals, or I'll follow it. I'll tell you who who yeah. won, even if I'm not sitting down there. But I guarantee you, I ain't getting no jack about some overseas soccer. <laughs> And I don't make any apologies for it. No Mbappe for PK. No. I have no idea who Bombay is. Mbappe. And I, ain't, and I don't I don't act embarrassed by it. I am just being one hundred percent transparent. I couldn't care less about what goes on over there. If it's not in our country, screw that. I thought you were gonna make a mouth noise. When it comes to that. And you know, as far as me. I think I'm going to do like Miguel uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Mm-hmm. I've got a bottle of wine and a beautiful woman waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> he said I that. remember that quote. <laughs> hey, priorities, man. That's the way he said it. I thought, that is gross. <laughs> You're creeping us all out, dude. All right, when we come back, your feedback. We got a long list from you of uh, things you're doing now. Now that the Jazz are out, how you spending that time? We will get we will get to that next. DJ and PK, and we are brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's not just clean, it's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. DJ and PK, brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, Boomerino! Question for many of you today. With the Jazz season over, do you stick with the playoffs, switch to baseball or RSL or or what? Paul says, baseball, exclamation. Go, Bees, two, exclamation. <laughs> the Bees, are going to win it all this year? No. Hector says, if I see a close NBA game, I will turn it on. But that's about it. Sports are dead to me until college football starts or playoff baseball. Oh, that's too long. We've got plenty of stuff to do between now and then. Baseball, all-star game, baseball, must must watch. Must have pizza, must have baseball all-star game. We'll watch that, enjoy that. Sad last year that was taken away. British Open golf, for sure. And it's so early. Yeah, but we're up there early every day. Yeah, that's why I don't get up early on the weekends. Like what time? Uh, depends on the day, but I, I want to sleep until at least eight. Might be nine. Nine? I don't get to nine as often as I used to. <laughs> as I get older, I wake up earlier. It's irritating. No, well, then you have, you have meetings on Sunday before, you know, it starts. You have to get it all set up and everything and True plan. story. And for staffing, you've got to do. <laughs> for staffing. It's okay. I won't say particularly. Too late. What. The particular assignment that you have is, let's just say you like to eat steak. Nick says, I try to watch the rest of the playoffs. Some years. Just gloss right over it. It just doesn't do it for me. I know he wants to keep it quiet. I'm okay with that. I definitely focus more on my Dodgers until football season comes around. 
Yeah, it makes sense. They're not in first place, but they're going to be okay, right? They're getting guys back? I believe so. I don't think you need to be in first place. You just need to get in the postseason. Be weird if the Giants win that division and the two teams are supposed to be the two best teams in baseball are playing a, a one-and-done wild card game. Against each other. Yeah. I agree on that. See if it gets to that point. Still, uh, still uh, what, 90 games to go? Yeah. Shane says, I'm mixing a little NBA playoffs with some Olympic trials track and field. Maybe trials? I head out to a B's game soon. Yeah, the trials are on TV. I know, but you, you care about trials. Shane does. That's the beautiful thing about being a sports fan in this generation. There's never been more sports on. I, I know people who are watching Olympic swim trials. I wasn't, but I know there are people who were. When I worked for the Breeze in California, I had to cover Olympic trial figure skating. Oh, really? Yes. And I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lady who was an expert at it, worked for the Riverside Press Enterprise. So I just followed her around like a little kid. <laughs> I just said. I don't know who anybody is, and I don't know what they're doing. I remember correctly, her name was Lisa. I said, Lisa, I'm coming clean here. I got no idea. <laughs> I got no idea what I'm doing. And she looked at me. But, oh, okay. I got this. So I just, I just wherever she went. I you went? followed her and just whatever she did, I did. And those papers were like two hours apart, so I figured nobody would overlap. Nobody's really competing yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Nobody out in Riverside wants the, no, and, and there the paper the from internet, the coast. So yeah. we weren't even going to be able to see it. So, yeah, but that, that was my Olympic trial experience. Ryan says there's too much to do in the summertime to worry about other NBA teams and, and or boring sports. Camping and enjoying summer until football starts. Plus, you've got the draft, and and so I'll be into that. Even though you know, I don't know that. What's the draft date? Everything's like off now. I'm not July 29. Yeah, okay. Pac-12 media day is supposed 27th. to be the 27th. Oh, that'll be a good week of sports then. Yep. I have a, yeah, I'll be down in California uh, that that particular week, and uh, I had a friend who was camping with a youth group. You've all heard what they do on that stuff last weekend, and he was telling me that he was able to uh, get. Uh, our station, wherever he was, somewhere. Uh, he didn't have any cell service, but they were able to hear some of the... They could Old hear, school AM radio, they could bouncing hear, in. Could hear the, they could hear the lock. Yeah, he said, he said my station. And he said they were sitting by the campfire and they were doing, uh, you know, talking about their faith and stuff. And guys were coming up, I've got to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> excuses. And get, get a jazz score. update. <laughs> and then he told me, he said that, and the one guy said, hey, have you spoken to PK? Uh, lately? Oh, yeah, last week. PK? You mean Pat Kinahan? The other guy says, the third guy says, yeah. Do you know him? The guy says, yeah. Boy, he's a jerk, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the way he treats DJ? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it was weird <laughs> yesterday with you out sick to go through a show without anyone <laughs> yelling at me. <laughs> did you listen to the show? I didn't. Oh, you didn't? So you don't have any email? I just didn't feel well, no. Yeah. No. What have you heard any takes you wanted to take me on for? I didn't. I didn't. I did have a friend, a neighbor texted me at like a quarter to eight. I was sleeping. Why aren't you chiming in on this subject? I have no idea what subject <laughs> it was. I have no clue. Quarter to eight. I figured it was like the first segment after the seven o'clock hour after What's Trending. We usually... Hit something topical or whatever. Should so the Jazz no make a commitment to having a small ball lineup with five perimeter oh, okay. shooters? 
Yes. I think they need to improve in that area. Yes. Right. Uh, so Agreed. I, I that needs to be an option. Not a full-time commitment, but the, yes. The problem is it's more defending it than using it to score. Defending it. Mm. Defending the small ball is the problem. Uh, and the problem is when the you... the problem's in order, I would go with that. Yeah. The problem is when you move Rudy away from the rim to go defend a three-point shooter, can the guy on the ball stay in front of his man? And too often, the answer has been no. It's why you sweat games with the Lakers and the Nuggets, because they do that. It's why you lost a playoff series to the Clippers, because they can do that. And the number of teams who can do it is only going to increase. That's, that's where the game is yeah, trending. They, they win that series, though, if Donovan had more than one toe. Thank you. <laughs> Someone, someone's going to have to explain the Rulon Gardner story to Donovan. <laughs> what, year, what year was Rulon the Olympic? 2002. 2002. Yeah, so that's just too young for Donovan. Watching Donovan on Twitter during the Jordan thing, you realize this is all brand new to him. This is his age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So the, he's going to need an update on the Rulon story when this gets back to him. Like, <laughs> what in the world are they talking about one toe? Right, you got to know the Rulon Gardner story and then just allow for free association. <laughs> all right, when we come back, Hans and Scotty take over next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.